Judah and Matthew are dumpster people, and they occasionally use foul and inappropriate language. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Brother Date, everybody. You know what time it is. Star time. Star date now. Dog, I am I am so excited. We watched so many hours of Star Trek, and now we get to talk about them for an equal number of hours. Weirdly, it felt like more hours than normal. I don't know if that is going to reflect well on the episodes, but it felt like a really long time. Like a lot of Star Trek was watched. I'm I Matthew. Mean, it it kind of did. I'm Matthew. I'm Judah. Just in case people forgot. You may know me as not Matthew. Yeah, there's Matthew, there's not Matthew. This is episode, well, this is Star Trek episode 20. Yes, right. So by now you should be familiar with uh, the hosts of the show you're listening to. Um, 20, dog, are you excited? We're about a ninth of the way through. I don't like that you do the math each time because it's depressing. (laughs) It never stops being depressing. (laughs) It somehow feels like we've always invested much more time than we've made progress, and I don't know how this works. It seems like the returns are not coming. Yeah, when off the air I asked if it was time to do another actor roundup, yep. and you were like, oh, how long ago did you do, how did we do one? And I was like, well, it was June 8th, uh, so that was probably 8 or 10 episodes ago, and then I fucking looked, it was straight up at week 15, <laughs> and we're about to do week 20. Yeah, I don't know, I feel like we're we're in some voodoo shit, like we are able to control time, but we're not controlling it good. We're controlling it the bad way, where it's going, it don't, don't, don't make no sense. How many yeah, episodes ta- we've done versus how many we should have done. Time for sure don't work normal on this project. Time keeps us on slipping. 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 Are you going to fly like a fucking Into eagle? the future. No, I'm not going to pollute my phone with that. <laughs> no I mean, can. I don't know. If, if later there's an Enterprise episode called Fly Like an Eagle, I might. But Well, you know there's going to be one about time. So. I probably still would do Abracadabra or something. That would be a better one, too. You just, mean, like uh, just like I didn't do Fortunate Son. Adam Lakers Corolla? That's right. The song? <laughs> Alright. Uh, yeah, let's do this. We got three hours to kill. I'm free. I'm free for the next five hours. Ten, six, even. Let's this week, it. Matthew, we watched Court Martial. Hold on. I don't like my take. This week, Matthew, we watched Court Martial. Thank you for redoing it, by the way. I was going to ask you to redo it. I don't know why I said Marshall like that at the end. That just wasn't cool. It was weird. Uh, Do you want me to do it? I can do it. I did it like an Australian for some reason. Go ahead. Uh, Okay, so Kirk... Kirk works with this guy, Finney, on the Enterprise... And I guess a long time ago, he and this guy Finney got into some nonsense where Kirk reported him for, I don't know, jizzing in the soda fountain or something. It wasn't clear what he did. 
but he, he dipped got his him, balls in the butterscotch or whatever. Yeah, got him in some real trouble. So Finney's like, now I can never command a starship, and it's your fault. Anyway, that's a little bit of backstory. In this episode, Kirk did or did not launch a pod at the right time during an ion storm. In the pod sat Finney. Finney died, we're supposed to think. And so everyone's like, oh, you did it on purpose because you guys had this history. Now we got to put you on trial because the version you gave us doesn't match what the record says because the computer says you sent the pod out into the ion storm before you declared it was red alert, but you said it was after. So now we got to have court martial times and you're going to go on trial and it's data's day, but it's different. And <laughs> it, it turns out that the guy was faking his own death to try to do Kirk in, though I have no idea what the end of his plan was supposed to look like. Yeah, where's the part where he suddenly reappeared? Yeah, like, was he going to stay dead forever? Because he didn't do a good job of staying dead in this episode, because they find what? him hanging around in engineering, sabotaging the ship. Like, for for real, was this dude just going to be a rambling man and leave his daughter and go to Florida and live a different life? Uh, anyway, in the just end... Just drinking the keys? What was his plan? We'll get into it. He was faking his death. Uh, Kirk didn't do anything wrong, it turns out. And, uh, the Kirk beats the guy's ass and then, um, stops him from sabotaging the ship. You know, so, that's... That's how the ship... That's how the episode ends. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, well, let's just jump into that part right now and then we'll get into our premises. What was this dude's plan? How is it supposed to work? And so, he doesn't even bother to try to sabotage his career. He just sabotages the ship instead. In the end. Like... He knows that Kirk's gonna get there, Finney's dead, and he's gonna, he knows he's gonna fill out, like, a little affidavit about the whole thing, and then turn the tapes over to the Commodore, and then he knows that the Commodore's gonna check the tapes. And that, to me, is a wild leap of logic. (laughs) Yes, we know no one in Starfleet really bothers to check the tapes. Like, what was plan B in case that guy just fucking put him in a box yes yeah, just all took right. the computer tapes put it in a box that said cool thanks for your version of events we appreciate your cooperation and, and that you are it. you're writing the letter to finney's wife right that's right yeah and then they move and, on and then and then what he just lurks the, around the ship as a gremlin for a while was he never gonna leave the ship was he always gonna sabotage the ship i just don't understand what his plan was like kirk some yeoman brings kirk coffee and he tastes it and spits it out and says oh this coffee's awful and then you just hear like a, a weird echoey laugh from somewhere because <laughs> he, he just in his coffee right and it's like oh yeah gotcha it wasn't i just that part was never became clear to me exactly what the whole plan was but it didn't matter Kirk went in there and judo chopped the shit out of him. We'll talk about yep. it. Yep. Uh, what did you think was the... God, what was the premise of this episode? What was the take that the writers wanted us to, to go away with? Uh, so, obviously, this is kind of a, like a mystery hour. Yeah. And not so much a high-concept episode. Here's what I have. Stand up for the truth, even in the face of overwhelming evidence? Oh, boy. Hard to come down on the other side of that one. <laughs> yeah, that's, um... I mean, it's worth four points, I guess. Wait, really? Stand up for the truth? That seems yeah. like a real obvious... It's like, what's Kirk supposed to do? He knows He knows he didn't. Okay, so, the panel next to him. I know we're jumping the gun. Sure, 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 sure. That panel next to his chair that's been there the whole time? Yeah. It's got five buttons. The top three are yellow alert, right. red alert, yeah. Jettison pod. The other two aren't labeled. <laughs> but you know what they are. It's not important. As long as we know which one is the Jettison pod button. 
What's the deal with this pod? This is a very important pod, and I've seen this episode now three times, four times maybe in my life, and I'm still not exactly sure what was supposed to have happened, what was the right way to do it, and what was the problem if he did it the other way. I still don't really know what he's accused of and why it's bad. If the pod was, like, something that you extended, like, so that it... I don't know, dangled from a line outside of the shield so that you could get readings or something. Mm -hmm. And then you'd be like, well, the shit's getting crazy. We're going to have to cut that pod loose. Fine. Except still no reason to believe there'd have to be a person in it. There are computers and stuff, right? But this is, and granted, this is remastered. Right. But there's just a hole in the side of the ship, like right below the shuttle bay where that pod was. Yeah. Why would you have to jettison that? I really don't. It, I don't like, know what his mission was. What was his mission in the pod? What's the pod he guy was do? Collecting readings on the ion storm. But why did your your first question was right? Why does a person need to be in it for that? Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Right? Why is this not something that Spock looks in his microscope? And then why would you ever need to jettison it? Yeah, exactly. Just why would you need to jettison it? Couldn't why you don't just you need to jettison? It? Any of the other parts of the ship, because yeah. it, that thing was on the skin of the ship, like... And then, did they not know there was going to be an Ion Storm? No, they they didn't send him into that pod until they went into the Ion Storm. So it was to study the Ion Storm, which became too dangerous, so they had to jettison the pod that was meant for studying the Ion Storm. Yeah, it's wild, right? <laughs> I just really feel like they needed to make a thing happen, and they didn't know how to get there. The You're writers right, did not know how to You're get right, there. though. My dumb take's only worth three points. <laughs> yeah, it just feels like that... I don't know how you could ever come down on the other side of that. So, like, what does that mean? Well, I was just like... Don't stand up guy... for the truth? So, they give Kirk a, a lawyer with a personality. Yeah. Right? He doesn't appear to be in Starfleet. He is hanging out at this Starbase with all of his books. He loves books and hates computers. I guess he's this that Starbase's public defender, except that Kirk has to seek him out? Yeah, he does not seem so to be So I don't public. know, whatever. But, like, the only other case we know he takes is eventually he's going to take Finney's case at the end of this episode. Right. And I'm sure he'll win. <laughs> he gives a wild speech about oh, dude. the rights of men yeah, to does. face their accusers. Yeah, he does. In this case, being because he hates computers, and his accuser is a computer in this case, and so he is real fired up. Whereas in the actual trial, they did basically what they would do if they wanted to introduce evidence. Well, they sort of did it. But as you know, I've been on four juries. Oh, you're an expert, really. Not only um, where this podcast is concerned, because obviously, but just in general. I think you are a law expert now. Uh, but like, if when they wanted to introduce security camera footage, they couldn't just show the footage. They had to like have the clerk say, is this footage taken from your store? Did, do you recognize the man on the tape as the defendant and stuff like that? And they kind of do that in this one where the, the prosecutor calls Spock up and is like, did you check the computer for errors? Did you find anything? Right. She doesn't straight up say, does the computer show that Kirk jettisoned the pod well on yellow alert? Right. But they do sort of talk around that. And that's what you would do in a trial. It's like nothing is different in this from what happens in in current court cases. Right, but what she should have asked is how many games of chess Spock had played with the computer. No, nah, no shit. That was really what was key there. Um, so, like, <clears throat> he talks a lot about the man versus machine or whatever. That's where that's, I went. 
It's like definitely not what this episode's about, though, right? That's where I went, dude. A mechanized electronic world is an immoral world? (laughs) Question mark? This cheesy lawyer rails against computers in favor of books, then the computers messed with in an attempt to ruin Kirk's career, then the speech of the episode was by that dude all about how if we can't question the computer, we're essentially putting computers above men. But does that make his stance right? I mean, literally all we know about this guy is he fucking hates computers. Oh, his stance is 100% not correct. Okay. (laughs) But that is what the episode, I believe, was trying to tell us. I mean, that's what we're supposed to take away from this? This dude is enjoying his beautiful world of books, and he's a genius lawyer, and he goes, I got a computer, I never use it, it's stupid. And the computer fucking turned on Kirk. Fuck fuck Kindle and fuck computers too, is this guy's take. exactly correct. I gave it a four. Okay. (laughs) I mean, it's just... Listen. Listen, the episode's fine. It was fine. Yeah, it was fine. It was fine. It's fine. It's this is not this is not the worst Star Trek or the original series episode we've seen so far, mm. but it's not. There's nothing. It There's no takeaway. There's no premise. Doesn't seem to have been carefully constructed as an no. episode. They wanted to do a courtroom episode, but they really did not know how to write their way in or out of it. They just went courtroom, 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 and they pointed around the room, and everyone gave a thumbs up, and they went, "All right, let's start shooting it." So, uh, I thought this was about standing up for yourself in the face of bad evidence. You thought this is, uh... Railing against technology. That that guy's weird anti-technology rant. Ben thinks it's about a leader having to make unpopular and difficult decisions, like shooting a guy into space for no obvious reason, but I guess it's regulations. Yeah, I didn't... Yes. Again, I'm not capable of talking about it because I don't really understand it. Yeah. Um, It's wild. It was not amazing. Yeah. So, I gave it a four on the take. All right. I gave it as much as a two on execution. (laughs) (laughs) I think... Well, okay, let's start with my premise. I think the farthest this episode goes is to prove that computers are made by men, programmed by men, kept up by men, and so they need to be treated as fallible, as the men who created them. Other than that, any moral stance is obviously a a little too far. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I absolutely would be willing to believe that there was just some Luddite on the staff who was like, computers are going to ruin society, and then decided to make it his little pet project. Everyone's um, going to have to have a whole room in their house devoted to their computer, and it's going to lie about them all the time. And you'll need a different computer for everything you need to do, so you're going to have to have, like, 15 computers in there. Now, look, look, we show four or five different colors of tapes. You're going to have to have 50 colors of tapes. We're You're not, not even scratching the surface, straight. everybody. Yeah, that guy existed for sure. Uh, and then all of the general execution problems that we've already uh, started to discuss. So yeah. two was really the most I could give it. Yeah, I don't know what to say. I only gave it a four. I mean, <sighs> I know nobody knew anything about computers in the 60s, mm-hmm. but... Um, all Spock did was check that everything was plugged in. Yeah, he gave it the, like Kirk's the, career's on the line, and Spock's gonna just do a hardware check. He he ain't gonna check the software. Yeah. Yes. Don't look at the files. Look at them files. And did he? So, am I getting this right that he really only realized something was wrong once he played a game of chess, or was that the test that he did because he thought something was wrong, so he tested it with chess? Uh. So here is what I remember. Okay. Somebody said the word chess. No, dude, you're right. Yes. And then Spock goes, chess. You're right. So this was his test. 
So his software test was to play chess. Right. But he didn't think of it right away. <laughs> and that's the only test he does. And he's convinced 100% by the results. He And then, co- conveniently, only Kirk, Spock, and the dead guy have the ability to edit, those, edit the computer programs. Oh, of course. That doesn't seem like enough people. No, and why Finney? I've never even heard of that guy. Why has he got such high clearance that only? Oh, because he's the, the records. Do it? He's the records officer, and that's what computers do. And that's why he goes into the probe to look at the ion storm because he's the records officer. Nope. Fucking nope. shit. That's because he was at the top of the duty roster. Yeah, but I'm saying, why would the records officer be at the top of the duty roster for the ion storm probe? I legit don't know because he's a lieutenant commander. This is bonkers. And as far as I can tell, that makes him the fourth highest ranking person on the ship. Oh, well, then you know what? Then having him having access to the computer does kind of make sense. Oh, it makes sense that you have access to the computer, but... Um, <laughs> yeah, you're right. There should be more people. But maybe don't send him into the fucking disposable pod. It's such a weird episode. I really don't even know how to judge it. I mean, I'm judging it badly. But I, I, I don't know what to do with it. It's just, none of it makes any sense. Uh, I also gave it a one-point deduction <laughs> um, for suddenly having visual records on the bridge when nine episodes ago, in the Menagerie, they had to explain how it was even fucking possible. Yeah, they could have just said what they said in this episode, which is apparently that they have a fucking camera every fucking 19 inches on the bridge. They have a camera that looks at the whole bridge, and they have one camera that just looks at his fucking panel. <laughs> they had the fucking they So had you can see if, when he hit the yellow alert button, when he hit the red alert button, when he jettisoned the pod, the fourth one probably summons a yeoman with coffee. And, they had better um, camera angles than the show usually has, just the show itself. Yeah, that's correct. It was shot more interestingly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, not explained in any way why jettisoning the pod is necessary or even helpful. Yeah, why? Why did he do it? And then, what how is does the, it make what it better in any procedure? way to have jettisoned the pod? But then, what is it? What difference is it whether he jettisons it at yellow or red alert? I just does does it matter? Uh, I guess because at yellow alert, Finney's supposed to stay in the pod. And at Red Alert, he's supposed to run out and of the pod. at Red Alert, he's got to get he out that fucking pod. Because he knows at Red Alert, they're going to launch that pod. That pod's going into space. All right, here's my new here's my new <laughs> oh, theory God. that I just thought of on the spot. Okay, good. This pod is like the key on the end of Ben Franklin's kite. Oh, right, right, right. So it's meant to get zapped, and but you're oh, wait, supposed to get the, out before Is it, it the kite itself? It's the, the kite's what got hit by lightning. And the key... The key is what grounds it? The key, of course, as we know, then opens up the treasure chest full of old school porno that's right oh he man keeps under his bed you know ben franklin first Dude, of all he got down it, and dirty with some weirdness first of all what was his occupation printer yeah dude if anybody he probably had made access. hella nasty magazines Ugh, dude and second what's the only thing anybody knows about ben franklin he loved putting it to french chicks yeah it's it must have been a real you know what i don't ever he probably see published it i don't want to see probably the published some shit yeah, he was under the name, uh... Hella engravings of him going to town on two French ladies at the same time. S- Stephen Erstwhile Smith. This is... There's one that's there's one that's captioned the Eiffel Tower, and it doesn't make any sense because it hadn't been built yet. <laughs> him and some other American in France. You know. Eiffel Towering some chick? Eiffel Towering a chick. <laughs> that's what the Eiffel Tower was named after. Some fucking lithographs that Ben Franklin drew of him being nasty. 
I love this alternate history. This is some. Right. This is the good stuff right here. This is how the Eiffel Tower was. This is why you listen to this program. Yeah, get that good Ben Franklin. I listen. I studied theories. French. I studied French in high school, and I've read Benjamin Franklin's autobiography. So, is his autobiography <clears throat> like a lot of the greatest autobiographies? All about how he was right about everything, and if anyone had listened to him, then everything would have gone perfect. That is what Winston Churchill's autobiography is. I mean, it's not... It's, yeah, I'm sure. Yes. Every single chapter of Winston Churchill's autobiography is just, if they'd listened to me, the war would have been over in three days. And you're like, all right. Thanks. Um, <clears throat> World building. Yeah, what, what do you got? Uh, I guess I should jump in at this point and say that um, through the top half, you gave it six points and I gave it seven points. Ben is a little more generous. He had a six on take and a five on execution. He liked the Uh, prosecutor. He liked the prosecutor. She knew her. He also he also mentioned her legs in the court martial. I think he really liked in the take section. So I think he liked the prosecutor. Yeah, that's fine. We all like the robot in that one episode. That robot is a fucking goddess. I want to buy that robot and take it home. Uh, he liked the heartbeat. He liked the heartbeat microphone too. (laughs) <laughs> that, by the way I feel like uh, the noise of everybody like breathing and walking around would be a lot louder than heartbeats yeah. there was um, they skipped some steps in that explanation yeah somehow he was able to isolate that dude's beating heart maybe it's because he was the most evil he had an evil heartbeat it was easy to isolate well, it probably was yeah. yeah world building got some go for it atomic matter piles alright that's a thing on a starship. Okay. Don't leave the circuits open to them. <laughs> that makes sense. Yep. Uh, academy duty, like being an instructor at the academy, seems to be standard. Wait, so you have to teach at the academy? Here's what we know about it. Kirk done it. Tuvok did it. Tuvok Tuvix did it. <laughs> say it. Say it the right way, the way I said it. Tuvok did it. Tuvok did it. <laughs> Finney did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. N- not only that, but. Finney was there too long and it didn't look good on his record. Oh boy, he's got a lot of problems. So with it's his not record. like it's not like being an instructor at the academy is bad on your record. It's like spending too much time is there. It yeah. definitely seems to be pretty common for pretty freshly commissioned officers to instruct at the academy, which seems odd to me. Yeah, it's a weird way for them to get starship experience. Uh, kind of, yeah. <clears throat> no captain has ever stood trial. I I heard that. I didn't understand what they meant by that, but okay. This is the this is this court martial in the episode court martial is the first one of a captain. Uh, okay. Presumably lieutenants and shit have to do this all the time. I thought <clears throat> you can correct me if I'm wrong about this. I thought in Starfleet it was standard procedure to have a court martial if you lost your ship. Well, that's 75 years from now. So that if the, the it sounds like maybe that is not the case. Maybe there were too time? many Ships being lost, and then some Commodore was like, well, listen, we'll just write it up like something happened. It'll be, you'll take a desk job. And we won't The fleet will save face. Yeah. We're just not gonna, not gonna deal with this. Besides, like this, you Like this Commodore definitely tries to sweep this shit under the rug. Uh, yeah, and yes, he does, you're right. Cause... So maybe at some point someone was like, you know what, it's just fucking standard procedure now. So it, it doesn't even look bad that you got court-martialed for this. Right. Well, maybe this. So I guess this was the first captain court martial right here. This one. Yep. So then, of course, all of the court martial proceedings 
the selection of the officers and their representatives, the dress uniforms, the identity tapes, the you know, ringing the ringing the naval bell. They probably should have selected a good tailor for those officers because I don't think one of those jackets. <laughs> I don't think there was one jacket that fit one of those dudes on the fucking jury or whatever. They did not remotely fit. And I wonder if that satiny material is harder to work with in some way. Because <laughs> like I, I feel like the, the tunics that they wear have a little bit of stretch in them, which covers up some faults. Yeah, those were some puffy in the wrong places jackets that they were wearing. All of the seams were all of the uh, all of the buttons or whatever. They, however, they do up the front were hella gapping. Yep. <laughs> It was pretty bad. It was definitely some home ec style uniforms. <laughs> yep. Uh, visual computer logs. Yep. Phase one searches. Orbital decay. Okay. <laughs> I actually gave it a five. Was this the first time anybody had heard of orbital decay? Well, it's the first time it's been addressed. All right. You, you, uh, Most of that five, by the way, is for the court-martial proceedings. Yeah. What would it take to get... Because it sounded like you had a lot of things in there, but you're just not impressed by No, a that lot shit of it. wasn't important. Okay. None of that was important. Here's what I got. I've, look, I've never given a ten in world building. I don't even know what you'd have to do. I mean, it'd have to be astonishing. Be the, s- closest, the closest I got was magic. <laughs> Magic's uh, real. Magic's real. Magic's is a big real. One. Yeah. Yeah, you'd need, like, a lot of exposition on top of... And Something. the only reason I didn't give it a 10 was because they were like, magic's real, and then Riker's like, of course. <laughs> yeah, it was so obvious. What else but thought? And you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, he is redoubtable. Yes. Um. All right, look, I saw two Constitution-class ships on the screen at the same time. Yeah, but I think only in the remastered version. Wow. Oh. I don't know. Maybe they... It, see, they never had a second model, so... Anytime you, it'll happen sooner or later. But it's always like a model kit that you could buy at a hobby shop, and it looks shitty. Yeah, it doesn't Whenever look as good as the one. original one. Yeah. Uh-uh. Um, those ion storms—they ca- still cause a lot of damage, apparently. Oh yeah, ion storms—they they never stop being trouble. They were having a lot of trouble with those uh, computer log extracts. Yeah, they keep calling them. Yeah. Uh, I also had the thing about no starship captains ever stood trial before. Okay. McCoy is an expert in space psychology. <laughs> that's a quick hitter for me, but yes. <laughs> for some reason, that was that's a thing. Yeah, Doug, that's how he knows. Um, that's how he knows that you have to erase a person's memory of their father <laughs> after they've done a real cool murder. That's right. But don't you ever use that trick again? Um, like I said, uh, like you said, a ton of internal surveillance cameras on the bridge. Uh, something about the statutes of Alpha Three that they did a Star Trek thing where they named oh, a bunch of named a right, bunch the, of real documents. The Bible, the Code of Hammurabi, <laughs> and then one fake one, just to let you know that history kept going on. Yep. Uh, Spock. I'm Probert. sorry, Ham- Hammurabi. Hammurabi. How does he, he say something say crazy? So he good. says it crazy style. But he doesn't know how to use a computer, so it's not that surprising. That's true. He can't Wikipedia or like have YouTube tell him how to say a word. Or yep. anything like that. Um, Spock programmed the chess program on Enterprise. Himself. He it was it. not something that they thought to... Uh, they put a chessboard there, but they didn't think to teach the computer how to play. And you had some stuff on there that I didn't have. I, I could be talked up to a four. I had it as a three, but I think it's a four. And once again, you have stolen a point from me, and then I have given it to you. Oh, so. did I take one away from you on uh, take? take. Yeah, it okay. all washes out. It usually does. <laughs> I mean, you know, we were talking off air about this. We usually end up with something close to a consensus. 
the order of the episodes we pick is usually pretty close, and then the scores are usually not that far off. Yeah, when you're giving 12, 13, 14 points to the bad episodes, sometimes they swap around. Right. Which one got 14 and which one got 12. Right, right. But, um, yeah, you're right. There's not usually a lot of dissension in the ranks. And I think Um, that's good, because I think that means that if people want to take this and run with it, then these scores will be helpful, I think. I think so, too. So, as always with a mystery show, uh, by the way, uh, Ben gave it a size 6 for world building. Dang, he was into this episode. Yeah. What did he think was uh, so impressive here? Let me take a look here. Uh, he mentioned that there's a Judge Advocate General still. Uh-huh. Um, uh, no no conflict of interest, nope. apparently, because that sh- she should definitely not be allowed to prosecute Kirk. We will definitely get into it some more, but that was very inappropriate what was happening with them. They've gone to the bone zone. Like many a time. Oh, um... Dress uniforms. Everyone's everyone's awards, all their medals of valor and stuff. Yeah, they really... When you get up on the stand, they they go into all the shit that you ever did. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, what are we on to? Fucking characterization. Characterization. Whenever we have an episode like this that is just a mystery or whatever... I mean, these shows live or die on their characterization, right? Because yeah. that's all that's left. Yeah. It's just true for all bottle episodes. Yeah, yeah. There's no. They're not doing anything too exciting in this one. It's just dudes in a courtroom. So, so how did you think they did? Uh, let's just let's jump into it. McCoy is a horrible guy to go through a crisis with. He. This is very true. Dumps Kirk for that hot older broad in the bar who turned out to be what's her name. Yep. Uh, he also uses Kirk's name to try to get the poons. This is very true. He's yes, like, that is James Kirk. Yeah, did you see that? It was Jim Kirk there. I know him. And, uh, you know, and then he's like, all my old friends look like doctors. His look like he'll, you. He'll vouch- we, sh- we share girlfriends all the time, so. Ugh. It was, you know. That was not pleasing. Uh, Kirk challenges the Commodore to put him on trial rather than be assigned to a ground post or a, a desk job or whatever. Yep. Because he thinks the Commodore should do what's right be- and also because he loves his ship. Yes. Um, he also stays pretty cool. He throws out some some chess trash talk with Spock. I think that's where the the chess comes <laughs> up, right? Yeah, but I I couldn't remember how chess got into the conversation at all. He's just like, well, think of it this way: uh, if I'm reassigned, you won't have to, or if I go to jail or whatever, you won't have to lose oh, to be all, at chess. You'll be able to beat your new commander yeah. at chess. And <laughs> yeah, chess. and then he, and then Spock straight up does a Dewey yes. Cox. <laughs> Looks looks off into the distance and repeats chess over and over again. Don't worry, it's not the last Dewey Cox this week. There's <laughs> no. there's going to be another one of my quick hitters. Actually, I may have even deducted a point from an episode for it. Star Trek does it a lot, and anytime any show does it, it's very embarrassing. It's extremely embarrassing. Don't do this. Yeah, if you're writing shows, a show... It don't shows do- no trust in your audience. Yeah, you can't have someone like... You can just cut to Spock playing chess, and we'll know that he had that thought. You yeah. don't have to have him go... Chess. Chess, you say? Chess, is it? <laughs> I wonder if... Unless... Uh, then, in the end, for some reason, he orders everybody to s- sit there on the bridge while he goes down there and judo chops the shit out of Finney by himself. <laughs> it's his problem. It's a very strange decision. Don't take everyone with you. <laughs> Let's see, Spock uh, goes up there and makes a terribly illogical argument about how the captain could never act out of panic or malice. Right. Because he likes him. He likes him very much, so it's his opinion that he could never do that. Which I thought was not super logical for a Vulcan, but okay. Um, And uh, then he he gets to have his fun chess moments. Uh, I thought 
McCoy was a real detractor. Kirk didn't do anything that made any sense. I gave it a four on characterization. <laughs> okay, so wait a minute. The only people in the episode did a bunch of stuff that doesn't make any sense, Spock and you gave fine. it a four? Spock was Okay, right. Spock was okay. <laughs> right. just, he just made that a logical argument, otherwise he was fine. Okay, I gave it as many as six points here. Oh, okay, all right. That's not so bad. Um... I, I thought that the characterization was the strength of this episode. Okay. So here's some things that I liked. I of did too. Course, I, ne- I didn't give anything else higher than a four. That's true, isn't it? <laughs> um, Of course, Kirk doesn't hold a grudge against this guy. No, he's Kirk. Of course, that's not the real scenario that's happening here. Mm-hmm. Even at the end, he kind of talks Finny around and works with him. Before or after he judo chops it? Oh, he judo chops the hell out of him first. Okay, good. But then, but then you get one of those in media res captain's logs where he's all of a sudden he's narrating to you oh, and he tells you, "Finny told me the location where he made the." <laughs> I have that in the quick hitters where like the first half of the captain's log got cut off or something. Kind of... Suddenly he just starts talking and you're like, "Wait, what? What are you talking about?" Um, Spock's loyal. McCoy's loyal. I thought the weakest moment was McCoy being a little bit of a hound dog. Yeah. But we saw that in Shore Leave, too. Yeah, and I didn't like it there, either. He's horny. It's very old man is horny. It ain't right. He's, uh, but he's horny in the way that was okay in the 60s, but not, it's just not okay. It's anymore. less, it's definitely less okay in 2017. It's a bad look. Um, yeah, I'm Sulu, or Scotty, all more or less absent from this episode. I mean, who is technically there. But, uh, they really do play a. Sh- it's a three-man game, dude. Like, yeah, they keep those other guys on the bench. They do not show up often. Uh, Ben had it as a four. He's more like you. He pointed out that the Spock is a Vulcanian in this episode. They oh. say Vulcanian about twelve times. This was like the key episode, dude. They said it every it's, single time. It's the main episode where they say the word Vulcanian instead of just Vulcan. But um, that's fine. Whatever. They haven't settled on it yet. Last week. Last week, the Enterprise was still under the uh, United Earth's yeah. Space Probe Agency. So, they're still working some shit out. Alright. Um, he points out also that the computer... It's weird that the computer can beat Spock at chess, but it's not weird that Kirk can beat Spock at chess. Yeah, Spock seems to think that if he plays a perfect game, he can draw with the computer. But he can't draw with Kirk? So he so he programmed it. So again, I think this is an artifact of the '60s. Yeah. <clears throat> like, if you were programming a chess program today, it wouldn't make the same moves that you make. No, you'd put in the rules. Yes. What is and allowed? You'd let to the computer do. figure out what moves to make. Exactly. Like when that when the computer um, won all those Go games that I stayed up too late at night to watch uh, a couple years ago, they didn't. They didn't say to the computer, all right, then make this move. Right. They let the computer watch like 40,000 Go games. And figure out what and moves And figure out doing. how to play Go. Right. Yeah. Uh, and that's what you would really do, but, you know, the 60s. Right, 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 right. <clears throat> uh, I'm going to do some math. Why don't you tell me what stood out to you in this episode? There have been so many, like... Um... Vaguely Irish names in this show. I couldn't remember if we knew Finney already or if he was new when the episode started. I was like, wait, no. is Finney one of the guys we've already seen? Who's Finney? That's, that's, a, that's a really good question because we had uh, Lieutenant 
I'll, yeah, I don't I'll take you home again, names. Kathleen. What was that guy's name? O'Reilly, probably. Or <laughs> Something. <just> Riley. <laughs> yeah, Riley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Riley or O'Reilly. Well, I think we've seen, that we've monster seen on the bridge was some kind of Irish, too, wasn't he? Oh, I think he probably was, yeah. Either an I don't Irish remember his or name, a, but he was hella snaggletoothed. Fucking Mick or something. Some something gross. Yeah, and of course we've seen Kirk's college bully. You know how every, everyone has a college bully. Who was as Irish as you can get? Well, his name was Finnegan. And, yeah. And they did play Darby O'Gill and the Little People music when he <laughs> danced around and clicked his heels. <laughs> Show so Woof. racist. So racist. So I mean, what do you think is behind this? Somebody doesn't like Irish people, right? It's, it's Roddenberry, right? He hates the Irish. Is it because he was a cop? Uh, yes. Okay. Yes. He, he was he was indoctrinated in the old school police tradition of hating the Irish. Okay. Even You're, even though the cops are mostly Irish? Either being Irish or hating the Irish. <laughs> but the Irish are definitely them. involved. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Uh, is Finney's daughter supposed to be young, like, per her get-up? Because that actress appeared to be 30. So it's a difficult question. I found her to look distractingly like a blonde Miri. Yes, yeah, she was Miri-like. So, yeah, how old was she supposed to be? She, I right. mean, thank God Kirk didn't try to put the wood to her. There were a couple times where he like puts his hands on her shoulders. He does, t- he does touch her and I don't like and it. No, 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 don't do it. <laughs> That's his namesake. Um, a few minutes in, I did remember that this, uh, this episode was the one where the, where he jettisons the pot at the wrong time. So I, I could never remember why or what it meant. Um, <laughs> and, and by the way, <laughs> now you, now you know that the wrong time is during yellow alert, yep. but you still don't know why. I still have, would not be able to tell you exact, exactly what the reason is. Um, haven't seen you since the Vulcanian expedition. Yep. That's what I wrote. Is that, was that on Vulcan? I guess those two those two dudes those two dudes went to Vulcan and tried what to pick up chicks. What kind of expedition would they need to do there? I think you're right. I think they're cruising for Vulcanian chicks. They were just like, "Hey, we're from Earth." You ever, ever do it with an Earthman? You ever seen human dick? It's a good what? one. Every seven years, fuck, <laughs> fuck. Hey, doesn't this episode break all of Roddenberry's rules about future folk? Like, everyone is real rash and a jerk. Oh, yeah. Like, they do not get along at all. Like, he was always behind the scenes railing against any internal conflicts among the crew or whatever. But, uh, I don't know. Everyone Kirk meets in that bar is like, you're a fucking murdering piece of shit. I mean, they don't try to explain how the transporter works, so there's that. Alright, well, that's good. What's the other one? Well, this is this is just one of Roddenberry's rules, not one of the rules that really exists, which okay. is you're not allowed to ask about how the Universal Translator works. Right. You're not allowed to ask about how Troy's powers work. Right. And um, what is the Federation, of course. And what is the Federation, it's yeah. Kind of well, big, don't big worry, one. they will never address that. No. So this chick is uh, Kirk's Philippa Louvois, right? Uh, yeah, but that's not that's not Star Trek's fault. Nope, and she's also space lawyer Riker from the same episode. That's correct. She fills both roles. Yeah, that's good. Well, that's okay. They, because they, didn't, they weren't so committed to an ensemble cast. They couldn't have made Sulu the prosecutor. That would have been awesome. I want to. I want to see. It would have been. It would have been so much better. I want to see Sulu so satisfied with the job he's done as lawyer, like yep. Riker was. I want to see him take Kirk's arm off, <laughs> just to prove that he's a good captain. And then just and then just look at the at Commodore Stone and go. To be honest, I don't know why I did that. <laughs> uh. 
another thing about Starfleet can't find a tailor. Um, Shatner got some sun before this episode, dude. He did. He, he had a little bit of a glow. He was real dark sitting there in that room. Uh, I love when the music cue indicated much more surprise than anybody in the room felt. <laughs> when yeah. he go when he enters his plea, not guilty. Everyone in the room goes, "Yeah, I mean, obviously that's why we're here." I mean. He demanded this court martial. He wasn't going to plead guilty. Yeah, but the music goes. Although, the music goes. Oh shit, son! <laughs> Not although, guilty. Again, the second time I was seated on a jury, the guy pled not guilty and then when his defense attorney put him on the stand and asked him did you steal these pornos from the porno store he did say yes i did so yeah i remember fucking up his couch <laughs> that's exactly right <laughs> i knew we could buy another one yeah i was gonna mess up someone's couch for no reason fucking no reason yeah i remember fucking up his couch <laughs> um let's see yeah, a lot of Vulcanian talk in the episode. Oh, shit, dude. A Chinese lady with a speech impediment? What was going on with that? I don't know what Did she Did she was have doing. a speech impediment? She's, she wasn't talking so good. I don't know what the deal was. I don't think it was an accent, though. She's the sh- fucking ship's HR. Well, she, was, she apologizes to Kirk when she gets off the stand. Like, I'm so sorry. It was weird. Um, These are not... For, for, I guess, see, they needed, because it's a trial, they needed her to introduce... That Kirk had gotten Finney in trouble in the yes. past. And then she, like, as she's getting up the stand, she, like, gives a an inaudible, I'm so sorry, I'm sorry. Um, okay, not good space lawyers. They're spending the entire trial on motive. Like, no evidence was presented until the last act. Yep. They're just like, he really didn't like him. Facts oh, also, are facts, he didn't like him. Do they not have discovery? Because Kirk's lawyer should have seen that footage already. Yeah. They're not, they're not great. In space law. Maybe yeah. that guy should go back to his books and read a little bit more. Um, Kirk says that they can boost the audio sensors on the order of one to the fourth power. Yeah, that's a real... That really sucks. <laughs> that sucks so much. I just heard it. I, I wasn't watching the screen or anything. I heard it and I went, hold on a second, wait a minute. And I rewound it. And I was like, no, I... No. Oh, no, that's right. I didn't rewind it because I didn't want to know. You didn't want to know that they made that real bad math mistake? I was hoping that he had not said that. One to the fourth power. One to the fourth power. And no one no one on the bridge goes, so exactly as loud as it is now? <laughs> Maybe that was his point. That, doesn't, that does not seem helpful. That was his point. He's like, we can not boost it at all, actually. Um, yeah, woof. That's bad. The beginning of his captain's log is cut off in the scene when Kirk goes to confront Finney. It just starts with... Uh, What's Laura's name? Cogsworth or something? I have it as Cogley, but Cogley. I might be wrong. I only wrote it down once. Cogley went down to the planet to get Jamie, as we both felt she would be helpful to blah, 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 blah. And it was just like, there was no Captain's Log or Stardate or anything. He <laughs> yep. just suddenly is narrating. Like, We've huh? just changed the conceit of the show now. I'm very confused about this. Uh, let's see. There goes Kirk's shirt again. <laughs> Had to go. Got his shirt ripped again. Um, what I love about that, they had to rip that stunt double shirt, too. The bad, the bad, bad stunt double. So bad! The bad stunt double, who got me so confused about who was in the scene and what was happening. He yep. looked so little like Kirk that I didn't once know again, if he was Kirk, Kirk or the other guy or if a third character had entered the fray. Kirk, once again, as in the fight with Finnegan, Kirk fights another guy who, when they're both stunt doubles and they're in a wide shot for stunt doubles, they look identical. You're but like, this time they're wearing identical uniforms, too. It's yeah. super great. I was like, well, now I have no idea what's happening. 
when Finney tells him what damage he's caused, Kirk does not call for an engineer. No. Just climbs up in there to fix it himself. With the ship about to blow up or whatever. Or they're about to fall out of orbit or whatever it is. And then come the fuck on, dude. The chick has to make out with Kirk at the end. Oh, yeah, on the bridge. But why, though? Why did she have Uh, to make out with him? uh, um, Because it's not a good show. Yeah, she just straight up... She's done her duty as as Riker lawyer of this episode. And then she comes up and she's like, I wouldn't be against the rules to make out with the captain, would it? And it's like, oh, what the fuck is happening? So wasn't I didn't enjoy that. Uh, MVP of this episode, Spock. Yeah, fucking save the day. Save Kirk's bacon. Finally beat the computer at chess. Or I mean, it's really you know Kirk said the word chess, so it's really Kirk who <laughs> Kirk saved the day. Himself. Just like the rest is of the is what Gene Roddenberry probably told William Shatter, who was angry. That's right. That Spock saved the day. Hey, you know Spock beat the computer five times because he was having such a good time finally beating the computer, not yeah. because he wanted to test it and make sure. Yep. That's why he has not left that room. Someone comes in and finds him. Who is it, McCoy? It's McCoy. He walks in and he's like, what are you doing sitting playing chess for? And he's like, oh, no, I'm just, you know, collecting evidence. But also, I finally beat the computer. So that was it. That's all I got. Yeah, boy. Uh, ben didn't have any quick hitters for this, but, I mean, I have a few. Uh, man, of course all these lieutenants from Kirk's class hate this guy. Yeah. Like, he's the only captain. All of these dudes are lieutenants sitting there drinking in some fucking space dock. And, uh... How does he know all those people? They were all in his class at the academy. And they're all just hanging out in the same room? Yeah. There's, like, six of them. Listen, there are only 12 starships. I I mean... I guess, yeah. You probably know a lot of them. You probably know a lot of those people. It's a small shop, I guess. Um, I love Kirk's command wrap tunic. I think you've brought that up before, your love for his command wrap. Yeah. I what like, is it uh, about it that you like so much? That it actually appears olive? <laughs> yes, that's that's good. And also, um, I like the the little embroidery around the neck. Hmm, it's very It's very classy. Yeah. That's just a that's just a nice change. So here's what I I don't think I've ever watched as closely the, to these remastered ones where you like can see clearly what's going on. I hate seeing the zipper that's on the left shoulder. Yeah. Every time I see one of those zippers, I think, well, that sucks. This happens on TNG too when we've been going back and yeah. looking at the uniforms and going, I never noticed that before because it wasn't in high def. I wish it wasn't in high def. I just like that sometimes they make him put on a different shirt. And I'd love to know how they decide to do it. Or how, or how they decided in-universe. Yeah. I'm not um, going to wear my uniform today. I'm going to wear this different thing. Hey, Kirkshire has a type, right? Yeah. This one could be Ruth's sister. Oh my god, I, uh, what if it's Ruth's sister? I mean, it could, be Ru- it could be Ruth's sister. That would be amazing. If he'd said offhandedly, how's Ruth? <laughs> and then she gave him kind of a stony look. That would have been great. That would have been awesome. <laughs> if only... I love um, the little left out scene that they don't show where somebody tells McCoy that Spock's playing chess in the lounge while the captain's in trouble. Where's Spock? Because he comes in and goes, well, I had to see it with my own eyes. <laughs> then you're playing chess. Again, he was just <laughs> really excited. He's never beat the computer before. Just leave him alone. I just um, I just liked getting to imagine that scene. 
I think more than I would have liked seeing the scene where somebody tells him that. And I think a worse show would have showed me that. That's right, yeah. I feel like Enterprise would have put that scene in. And Deep Space Nine 100% would have. Oh, yeah, for sure. <clears throat> well, it would have been uh, Dax would have gotten on the communicator, and then she would have called Odo Sir, and then I would have gone, okay. How, do the, how does the rank structure work here? All right, What's then, happening? I guess. <laughs> sure. Um, Spock and McCoy rush out of that conference room and then change into their dress uniforms before they beam down <laughs> with that exculpating evidence. And also, by the way, after the defense has rested, whereas if they'd just come down in their regular clothes, they would have got there, like, in plenty of time. Yep, that's a good point. I hadn't thought of that. But maybe next time they should prioritize. <sighs> when, uh, when Cogley goes wild mm-hmm. about computers and men in an attempt to get them to reconvene on the Enterprise, I felt like Commodore Stone was already on his side. <laughs> yeah, he was sitting there going, And he just went computers. nuts. Yeah. That, um, that white sound device that they used, I loved that it was just a regular vocal microphone. Yeah, but you have the ability to boost the audio sensor. Yeah, well, the computer's doing that. All that thing does was cancel heartbeats. That's right. Why did they get such a young stunt double for Kirk? It looked like a 16-year-old farm boy. Oh, good. Well, then at least you were able to make out which one was which. Yeah, I could. I could tell. Okay, good. You could tell by which one's uniform rips. That's Um, right. So, uh, Kirk is on trial for negligence here. Okay. They reconvene on board. Kirk shuts down all the ship's engines. Right. The orbit starts to decay. Yes. They should have gone. That's actual negligence. They should have gone. Well, you're not guilty of the charges against well, you're not, you. Unfortunately, you're not guilty of the original charge. We have to bring you back was, to trial. That was a hundred percent negligence. You're able to cancel our heartbeats, but you can't cancel the, cancel the hum of the. Oh no! It's because he didn't want to have an engineering crew aboard it's... to keep the engines going. Like fuck, dog! You already canceled out eight people's heartbeats. You couldn't cancel two more. He's, um, the whole, that's, that one's, that's negligence. There's sure. not one part of the episode that can be really explained in a good way. Yeah, it's, um, it's much worse than the score we gave it. Yes. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, I gave best actor to, I had to see it for myself, McCoy, and worst actor to Finney. Finney was not very good. Yeah, when you finally meet Finney, it is a disappointment. For sure. He's play he is way too crazy to have concocted this scheme. <laughs> I don't know, the scheme's pretty bad shit. <laughs> oh listen. Then I'm gonna hide in engineering. And then It's I'm, another Operation Tengo for sure. Yeah. But Then I'm gonna reveal myself at the last second. Yeah. It's not it's not so good. It's not so good. I gave it eighteen points, you gave it fourteen points. So we're a little bit off on this one. Yeah. Uh, and originally it was 19 and 13, so what does that say? And what did Ben end up giving it overall? 21? Yeah, Ben uh, Ben came in at 21. Ben always scores higher than me. Um, but this was one of his two best episodes this week, so. Okay. Uh, total of 32 points, so it's only a point off what we gave tomorrow is yesterday last week. That's something um, like three below the average, right? approximately yeah the average is still sitting around 35 so almost 36 so this is a you know four four points off well they blew it i mean they really did blow it it wasn't good yeah 
was not a great episode at all. I mean, it was entertaining because it was so bonkers, but it was not. I mean, 32 would be a decent score for Enterprise or Deep Space Nine. It's just not so good for the original series. Yeah. Or Voyager 2. I always forget this, but Voyager actually, to this point, only has one more total point than Enterprise. Well, Voyager looked and like... And one fewer win. Remember early on they looked like they were... They had figured some stuff out. Yeah. It has been a while since that was since that was really the case. <laughs> yeah, it really has. They're a garbage show. But uh, four chances this week to beat a 32. We also watched The Arsenal of Freedom. The Arsenal of Freedom. There you go. The Arsenal of Freedom, I think. I would have done it one more time, because I think the emphasis should be on freedom, but that's okay. Enterprise. Looking for the USS Drake on a world where all intelligent life has recently disappeared is hailed by a recording. Beaming down to investigate, they are immediately attacked by the Echo Papa 607, which is implied to have wiped out all life on the planet. But don't worry, Beverly knows the solution. And to make matters worse, Chief Engineer Logan is on the way to the bridge. Yes, he is. What's, um... What's this episode about? <clears throat> Alright, so just to... You want to flesh it out because I didn't mention that this planet is renowned as an as arms dealers who sold weapons to both sides in the Ursal Rope Wars. Yeah, but I wanted to, I know people are really concerned. I wanted to give an update first that I I did and I did change my wake my wake word for my Echo unit. So oh, that's right. <laughs> the Echo Pop all the Echo Pop Papa stuff did not wake up my okay, my, good. my Amazon Echo uh, puck. Um, but yeah, no, okay, yeah, so, yeah, this planet, a bunch of arms dealers, and, uh, I guess they accidentally wiped themselves out with one of their creations, and, um, Jordy has to take over on the bridge when all of the senior staff beams down to the planet in various stages, so Jordy's- I mean, you know, Troy's still up there, but she- she doesn't pass the bridge officer's exam till season six, so... Right. So Jordy's up there fighting in space, and the other guys are down on the planet fighting a version of the same weapon or whatever. So yep. they're, they're kind of all duking it out. A, B, C plot, whatever you want to carve it up, they're all in the same the same mess. So, uh, And then in the end, they, uh, they, they, beat, they beat the program by agreeing to buy it. Yep, and it just shuts down. It goes, oh, okay, cool. So the whole episode kind of ends up... It's not programmed to take a credit card, so it just shuts down, I guess. <laughs> That's right. I'm glad. I got a commitment to, to for a sale. Now I'm done. Now I get my commission. Yeah, it's the worst... You can deal with the rest up at the front like it fries. Worst sales robot ever. You gotta see that thing through to the end, buddy. You wanna see those fat commission checks? Jeez. <sighs> Alright, so that's what happened. So what What was the premise? Yeah, that's what I'm asking. Well, I, you reap what you sow or something? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. They killed off their whole civilization by accident because they were in the business of helping other civilizations kill each other? Take that Sweden? Boy, is that what it's about? <laughs> well, I'm just saying, you know, because they sell arms, but they don't really... They don't really get into it too much themselves. Um, I don't I know. Guess. The take I is... Mean, it it would have been 
sweet for sure if the Echo Papa 607 was one of them Saab aircraft. <laughs> if it was a griping or something? Just a, just a griping messing shit up. It could have been a vegan. I like them all. It would have been so fucking boss seeing one of those things flying around. Uh, In 1988, when I presume this aired? Yeah. Would have been dope. It would have been amazing. Yeah, it probably would have been a vegan then. All right, fine. Um, this this takes fine. It's a super sci-fi take, right? Yeah, like, oh, extreme. you're selling weapons. Well, guess what's going to happen because you're so warlike or whatever. You're going to, whoops, you fucked yourself up. Um, so I gave it a six. I was fine. I mean, look, I have basically the same take, which is... Uh, I, I wrote, it's a poor sword that cuts but one way, or don't be an arms dealer. Yeah. Yes. Um, I only have it as a four, and I, I guess moving right into execution here, th- this will help explain it. When they get to this planet, sure. and all intelligent life has been wiped out, and Data says that they sold arms, and somebody says, to which side? <laughs> this is fine. Just sets data up to say both. Yes, there's no other reason to ask that except to say. And then Picard data. gives a smug, shit-eating nod. Yes, yes. They are telling well you in the first two minutes that these guys wiped themselves out, and that it's the oldest fucking story in creation. Not a, so. Yes. Yeah, so you're saying not a novel take. They're even. It's not novel. They are stating it's, a, it's not novel. It's a four. They're telling you it's not novel. They don't discover at any point that these guys wiped themselves out. Yeah. They everything is implied. By the way, they just look at each other and assume that it was the Echo Papa six oh seven. Maybe there's another, even worse one somewhere. Yeah, dude, the Echo Papa seven oh seven. Something. That thing tried to do a barrel roll one time, but it was too big and it crashed into a planet, and that's how everyone died. Maybe they maybe they were making biological weapons or something. Also, like yeah. it it doesn't have to be the one thing that you guys encountered. Hey, it's true. I hadn't thought about that. They do even just basically come out and say, "Not a big deal. Let's get on with the episode." Yep. It's just like, well, eh, you know, you know how arms dealers is. Yeah. So, um, that's the major problem with the episode is that the, everything is implied, right? Yeah. Both that it's the Echo Papa 607 that wiped him out. And also it's sort of implied that they had it coming <laughs> yes. because they were unscrupulous, etc. Right. So. Yeah, they're but, not, they don't spend any time mourning the civilization for sure. So not great in terms of execution of this take, but Jordy's B-plot makes up for it a lot. Yeah. Just for sheer enjoyableness. So I did end up giving it six points for execution. I also gave it... Because it's like, how few points can you give an episode that you're enjoying? I gave it six for execution as well. I said, let's get the negative out of the way. This episode is not about my take. No, it's not. I think they meant for it to be, and then they got distracted and found better stuff to talk about. They got sidetracked. The B-plot kind of takes over, and then... The little character stuff with Picard and Beverly. Right. I mean, Data and Yar and Riker running around on the surface is less than they nothing. They didn't have a lot to do, it's true. But, uh, which, and that's that's really, that's pure A-plot storyline. Yeah. But, yeah. So, major points lost for not committing to exploring a premise. But, the good news, I thought the action on the ship with Geordi was paced well. Right? Like, so the writers let Geordi fail a few times... Mm-hmm. before he wins the day. When a conventional episode would have let him and Worf succeed with that big plan they come up with midway through, that they've yes. been working real hard on this strategy and they're going to get him, they fail again. Which makes the viewer start to get kind of uncomfortable. Like, oh shit, they're really not doing good at this. <laughs> like, they're fucking this up. 
Yeah. You know, and you know they're not going to get destroyed, obviously, but the but then the stakes are like, oh, is he going to have to turn to Logan to save the day, and then he's going to learn a lesson that way, or is this going to dampen Jordy's enthusiasm for command? Is he going to lose confidence or whatever? No, he right. still wins, but in the end, it feels earned. Yeah, there is one problem with the pacing of Jordy's B plot, which is he's still fighting that thing after it's been shut down. And I never have understood that. They never explain it at all. They, I guess because the one on the surface has already launched. They, what they should have done was contact Jordy and say, send a message saying you'll buy it. Yeah, something like that, right? <laughs> they should have just sent it out into the ether. We'll buy it. We'll buy 10. But like the the planet side one just gets recalled and it's not a problem anymore. Yeah. But he's still got to blow up the one in space. I guess they were. it's a separate item. Nah, Some, maybe they should have yes they should have uh, we'd also like to buy the space add-on the space one's even better I, I want two give me two of those so that's the major pacing problem which is if they'd set that scene a little earlier yeah this it, then that logical problem doesn't exist also i like that all the plots were connected it, sometimes it doesn't work but i think in this one it was good because it gave the episode a lot of focus um, well it's the opposite of angel one right where yes <sighs> Everyone's everyone's sick. Everyone no gets the reason. flu Fucking on the ship. So stupid. Just to just to create a thing where Riker's like, I don't care about the prime directive. I'm getting these guys out of here. Yeah. And then Jordy's like, can't can't do it. Yep, this is why the thing that we no, we'll be able to do it in five minutes, but we can't do it now. <laughs> right. I mean, as far as I can tell, that's literally the only reason for that B plot. Yeah, but this one was cool because... This one, it does tie together. You have three different locations, essentially, once the episode gets going, where they're all kind of dealing with the same thing. Picard and Beverly are in the pit, and Data and Yar and Riker are fighting the thing on the surface, and Jordy and Worf and Troy and the, the Lower Decks crew are up there fighting the thing in space. So, I don't know, you have kind of a good edge. Yeah, and they do a better job of it than, say, the ending of The Phantom Menace. Yes. Yes. Another thing where the same battle's happening in multiple locations, but it's more confusing and stupid than anything else. Yeah. Uh, I really was not expecting this episode to, like, succeed. Like, I thought yeah. I'd have fun rewatching it, but it was actually pretty... I thought it was fairly competent. The worst thing about it was the general plot outline. of How cheesy and stupid it was that they went to this planet where these guys had a cheesy salesman who killed himself with... Killed, killed everyone with their weapons they made and all that stuff. Let's talk about this, too. You can program a guy to sell your yeah. shit. Mm-hmm. Presumably to visiting alien races. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you going to talk about his use of expressions? Why do you pick this guy? Oh, that weirdo? Yeah. Yeah. He's kind of a, like a weird nerd. Like, did the Minosians look like him? Or... Did this guy get pulled out of the fucking Enterprise's date? I mean, basically what I'm asking is, is this a Joe Piscopo? Where when they scanned the language banks, they were like, what's the most successful comedian of the 20th century? And it's all Joe Piscopo for sure. 100%. And then, but this one, they're like, man, who was a really good salesman from from their past? And the computer's like... Like Stephen Jenkins. He was amazing. this (laughs) This dingus here. He looks like Larry from the Three Stooges, but it's for sure him. Yeah, yes, it is an interesting choice. I think maybe what it was, was they put in most handsome man, but the computer wasn't able to differentiate the sarcasm where they found this guy's picture. Because they pulled this fucking weirdo out. Dude, he gets up there and he knows human expressions too. He's like, the early bird, 
he knows the early bird gets the worm, but the he early bird it. who hesitates gets, gets worm. So he knows the expression well enough to make wordplay on it, right? And it's like, how that's did he the, know that? That's in the Enterprise's language banks for sure. <laughs> kind of ridiculous. Um, but oh, world building. Was there stuff? Or do you want to? Here's, oh, let's do a here's recap. what I have. Here's what I have. Okay. Oh, you want you want to do yeah. it? Okay. So in the uh, top half here, I've given it ten, and you've given it twelve. Okay, that's fine. So it's off to a better start than Court Martial. Yeah. Uh, ben, uh, giving it 11, so right in the middle here. Okay. He, uh, has... his, his, he is confused about what the take was. He thinks it might be something about leadership and placing trust in and inspiring your subordinates. Mm. Jordy definitely does it for his... There's there look the we agree the plot <laughs> look, we agree the plot should have been about what was happening with Jordy on the ship and it wasn't. But it wasn't. So here's the thing. No. He gave it 6 for execution and he wrote basically the same shit that we did. I I give it some points cuz I think they did some generally good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it was I thought they did a good job. They just if you're trying to connect it to the premise then you you know, you yeah. can't you can't do that. So, jumping into world building, here's what I have. All right. The Ursal Rope Wars. Sure. Static charge compensation on saucer separation. Okay. Arvada 3 was some kind of space Jamestown. I, I also have Arvada 3 was a, a tragedy of some kind. And for the only time ever in the series, the shields respond automatically to an attacker. I also had that, yes. So that's a mode that they have that for some reason they don't use. Maybe they turn it off later, because it did stop them from beaming up the crew. That is true. So maybe later on they're like, you know what, don't turn that on so much. Um, two points. Ouch. Maybe you found something I didn't, and it'll end up being worth more. Let uh, me know. I don't think it was amazing stuff. The Lorenz Cluster. The yeah, Drake is a light cruiser. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see, all intelligent life on Minos has disappeared. I guess that means they have been familiar with these people, the Minosians, in some way in the past. Because they, they seem surprised. There was intelligent life. But a, it was a long-range probe that found that life disappeared, so I'm guessing they don't have close contact with them. Okay. Uh, but they know about the legend of the Ursal Rope Wars. Here's what I'm saying. It's very, it's kind of unclear what they know about them what they don't, because they seem surprised that they're all dead. Yes. Like, they did not know that part about it. Um, well, they were surprised enough to send the Drake. Yes. Enterprise is after the Drake. Yes, that's what I'm saying. It was not worth sending Enterprise to see what happened to these people. Right. They sent a ship that can only go warp three. I can't believe... Can that be accurate, though? That can't be accurate, though. That's the computer The computer program that's pretending to be... Captain Rice doesn't know what he's talking about. And it's a light cruiser. Is it supposed to operate within one star system? <laughs> Does it have to get ferried there? <laughs> like, how would it get there? Because warp three... Warp three ain't quick. It'd probably take you a couple days to get to Pluto at warp three. That's what I'm saying. It's not fast. You would really need to, like... You'd have to be towed somewhere if you were going to do anything deep space. Anyway. Um, Starfleet, uh, Yar doesn't think that Starfleet has the technology to melt Tritanium. Because they find some and they're very surprised about it. Yeah. Uh, Chain of command stuff. Jordy's a junior officer and helm officer, but he gets to command the dang ship because they stupidly sent, like, everybody else down there. He's not the highest... I think we talked about this in another episode. He's not the highest ranking officer, so it, again, must be some un unspoken to us rule about who's actually allowed to command, who the bridge officers are, etc. Although Logan comes up yeah. and tries to take command, so I don't... I don't know. Um, 
you you had this here. Ben had this here. I had it a few episodes. Earlier I was going to say. I think we have talked about when this. I when I talked about. <clears throat> there's some evidence that maybe Jordy is like an unrestricted line officer. Shit, dude, it might have been Angel else. One, right? I mean, it could have been as far back as Angel One. Because I think he does take command in that one. But this is probably the third or fourth time they've left Jordy in command on the bridge. Yeah. It's also, I think, the last time. Well, pretty soon he'll get moved along to his new Unless world. it happens in Skin of Evil. Picard goes down, doesn't he? Oh, Jordy's already down there. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think he takes command. I don't think we see much on the ship in Skin of Evil anyway. Hmm. <clears throat> So there, it does. It does seem to be pretty clear that Jordy he, is after Riker and Data. He's is in the command in line. line. Yeah, he's exactly. in the command. Even though he's, he's always referred to as a junior officer, so I don't yes. really know how it works. But interesting. Um, now, uh, so of course Logan outranks him, mm-hmm. but Logan is also the chief engineer. Yes, it. I'm guessing that on an aircraft carrier, there's no scenario in which the chief engineer takes command. takes a watch on the bridge. That's just not his job. It's just it's 100% not. not his job. Even though he probably holds the rank of captain on yeah. an aircraft carrier. Right. The the head of the engineering department. You probably know, at no point. This came up in... Um, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. This came up in Battlestar Galactica, where at one point the Battlestar Pegasus... Uh, Adama puts uh, the chief engineer of the ship in command. And in that show, everyone goes, what? Why would you do that? That guy's not a command officer. Like, he doesn't know anything about it. Yeah. And I think that's more like real life, where you wouldn't... The the roles are not the same. So Yeah. Um, and again, I think we'd seen some evidence of this before, but I think because in this episode, Logan directly challenges him on it. Yeah. This This is probably the one where it occurs to most people. Right, right. And then I also had the Arvada 3 tragedy and uh, Beverly's family history and stuff like that. I gave it a four. I thought there was stuff there, but, you know. Yeah, I usually don't give world-building points for family histories. I know. We've talked about this before. I tend to give world-building when I think it's something that'll come back again and again. It doesn't have to be about their character, but if it builds the universe in some way. We know about Beverly's history. That might come back again. She's got weird grandma stuff later. On. It's going to come back. I, 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 but I can't give it. I can't necessarily give it points, <laughs> and I don't want to because I know what comes back. Yeah, God but willing, I... we could be dead before we ever get to that. <laughs> Didn't you say the other pod, the pod, the pod that's not as good as our pod? Yeah, Greatest Generation just did Subrosa this they week. Got, they got to that one, and they kept saying Duncan Rager. I mean, they only said it the first couple of times. <laughs> It's but then they then they stop mentioning him by name, and they never mention that he was the Disney Channel Zorro, which is a real miss. That's a real that's a real swing and a miss if you don't know that. And if you're not gonna mention him as Zorro, if you're like that's fucking Don Diego, son. If you're not gonna mention that he's Don Diego de la Vega, don't you at least have to mention the series he did with Kaniki from Greece that was oh, like right. a medieval fucking fantasy show? Right, exactly. <laughs> with the pictures. The pictures of it are amazing. Yeah, that's worth a look. Everybody, IMDb Duncan Regeer. And Duncan Regeer. Check his shit out. Um, so that's what I had for world building. So. Characterization. Yeah, dog. I got some. It's stuff. The star of the show in this episode, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, let me let me jump in here. Riker clearly has a lot of respect for Rice, even though he got Riker's reject ship. 
Yeah. Riker's pretty sharp in this episode. He's uh, Sometimes they make the characters really dumb. Like, he immediately discounts the possibility that their sensors are shitting the bed and that Rice is real. Like, he goes, nah, this guy's a fake. And so okay, he can... immediately starts playing a game with him. Can I say, you said that, Ben said that. I said, in my quick hitters, Riker was so suspicious of Zorn, but boy, is he chatty with Drake. Well, he gets down there, like, he goes, he goes, whatever his name is, what's the guy's name? Not Paul, Paul, Paul. Rice. He goes, Paul, what are you doing here? And then they're like, uh, we're not reading anybody. And he goes, oh, okay, I got it. Yeah, he wait, He doesn't really turn until, until Picard's like, uh, Commander Riker. But how many times have we seen Star Trek characters go like, I better be real dumb in this scene so that the people at home... Right have an adventure <laughs> i just thought he was he was slow to pick up on rice a man he ostensibly knows even though he was standing there just um <laughs> hanging out in the being, bushes being hella wooden just standing there in the jungle right well okay but again i have it in my quick hitters but he has one of the all-time best explanations for how he just showed up there uh where'd you come from over there i was over there i was over there <laughs> i was over there is like you kind of can't beat that. All I'm saying is Riker would have already been up Zorn's ass for that. That's probably true. Um, and you're right, though. Eventually he does play a game, but I thought that they they forgot how on the ball Riker's supposed to be yeah. because they gave him too much chatty business before he figured it out. He was excited to see his old friend, man. He thought he, he, thought he was dead. Then he thought maybe he's not dead. But then yeah. they went, hey, there's no one down there. And he went, oh, okay, I'll check this shit out then. Where do you park your busted-ass Warp 3 ship, Paul? <laughs> I know the 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 lolly the good ship lollipop is a test for what's his name to be like how well is this thing good at lying is it going to be able right. to pick up this bullshit story I'm telling it about a song it definitely suggests that Shirley Temple's popularity endures a lot longer than I <laughs> than I in, expect it will than real life yeah than real life um but you can also tell that Riker is extremely proud of himself for coming up with that oh one. yeah he really is. He's like, yeah, I'm testing him, but also that was a really good one. He's going to be telling this story in turn forward later. It's a good ship. You're like, oh boy. I told him it was a good ship. <laughs> Guys, you should have seen <laughs> it. I totally punked this computer. Fuck. Fucking hey, man. What do you say to that? You didn't say anything. It was a, it was a projection. <laughs> he told he, me. He didn't, get the, he, he didn't get the joke. He told me he was over there. <laughs> he told me he'd been, in, uh, you know, like elsewhere. I couldn't dispute it. I mean, I didn't see him. <laughs> um. Was Riker looking for safety behind that tree when he started yelling at Rice? Because he weirdly positions himself behind, like, a tree as he's going, You're not real, are you? As he gets really odd. mad at him. He does do a great Captain Morgan when he first sees him. Oh, yeah. Like, Rice, let me put my one of my legs up on this log. Look how long these legs are, Paul. I'm tall as shit, Rice. Remember this shit? Remember how long these legs are? It's a good ship. Um... There's some sassy Jordy in Act 1. He's got a lot of quips and things to say on the bridge, but he won't be <laughs> he so bold later when he's in deep shit. Yeah, it's easy to sit there in the right seat and talk shit about the Ursal Rope Wars. That's right. Anybody but, can uh, clown on those dudes. When you've got a when you've got a shaky ass Orful Solus sitting there and you got to <laughs> got to give him pep talk and poor Leanne Sue's uniform doesn't fit. Yeah, she's probably sweating through it, too, because it is stressful on the bridge. I mean, shit, man. It's not good. Yeah, he won't be so bold later. Um, does he have a prior antagonistic relationship with Logan? Or is that three-second exchange over the communicator all that has him so pissed off that he straight puts in his official log 
mm-hmm. that Logan coming to the bridge qualifies as a worse situation than only having the ship attacked by an unseen assailant. That's right. It makes matters worse. Like, is it is what we heard on the communicator their only interaction? Or does he have, have to, some uh, shit with this guy? I think we have to assume that Logan has a pretty short tenure as chief engineer on the Enterprise. Well, he might have been him. robbing people the wrong way already. We've never seen him before. He's about the eighth chief engineer. We'll see another chief engineer in a few episodes, and it ain't this guy. That's right. And we'll know he's the chief engineer. He makes sure you know he's the chief engineer. <laughs> also, what his middle initial is. Logan. No, sorry. What's his name? Le- Leland, Leland T. Lynch. Leland T. Lynch here. Fuck you, dude. Um, But when... Chief Engineer Logan does come to the bridge. He stands up to him well, gives him just a flat no when he asks him to relinquish command. He goes, no. Uh, Pretty patient with the junior officers, too, obviously, but eventually he does come to question himself after multiple failures, but ultimately sticks it out and gets the job done. Jordy obviously crushed it in this episode. Um, Picard throws himself right into this shit after Riker gets zapped. Yep. Why? Exactly. What does he think he can do down there that Data and Yar cannot? Like, define common words and phrases? Like, first of all, send Worf down next. Right. Like, he's, there's literally no reason for him to go down there. But then he does get to play nurse for uh, for his girlfriend or whatever. Yeah, that's true. Well, he takes her down with him. She's not already down there. <laughs> that's right, he takes her down he there. Arranges a little date. And then who pulls... To go to... He just wanted to see Riker's frozen ass face. <laughs> who pulls who into the pit, by the way? Who goes down first? I don't know. I definitely got the impression that he landed on her. So maybe she pulled him down. <laughs> he fucking Because, like, she's, she's jacked and, and he's, he's fine. fine. He's, he's super fine. Like, he landed on something soft. <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't all of those rocks. No, they didn't look that soft. I mean, they were probably made mm-hmm. out of foam in real life, but. They don't, they don't get around to it, but she definitely had internal bleeding from his bald head landing right on her stomach. <laughs> oh, man. I'm surprised his neck held up to that. Mm-hmm. Um, Troy feels pretty confident these days. Yeah, I think she really did get her power back in season one, dude. Yeah, she just straight yells at Picard as he's trying to walk off the bridge. That she takes strong exception to him beaming down. Yep, like yep, yep, yep. she hella fucking feisty. And they then, forget they forget somewhere along the line that she's competent. Yeah, and then she props Jordy up the same way she props up Picard. Doc, is she the sneaky MVP of season one? Yeah, definitely. She definitely has had the most moments where you're like, oh, she gave good advice there. It's so weird that watching this with, like, a critical eye... It, it wouldn't be weird if you hadn't seen seasons two through seven. <laughs> okay, that's what I'm saying. So it might still turn around and she might still be the terrible caricature. That... Later, she's going to be Kathy. <laughs> that's right, exactly. From the comic strip Kathy. Kathy yes. She's just going to walk around the ship going, chocolate, chocolate, chocolate! <laughs> that's right. Ack! So, Yes. So maybe it'll still turn into that. But I was very surprised going back and watching these, like, that she's on yeah. the ball. Totally on no, the doctor, ball. She's just going to get raped five times. Yeah, yeah, and that doesn't work for her. Yeah. And, and um, Devin Ollie Rawls going to rub her feet. No. And that's what's, that's what's left to her after this season. But yes, in this season, she's competent. Don't say that thing about Devin Ollie Rawls. I keep hoping that if I go back and watch it again, that part won't be in it. Like It's, it's going to be in it, and it's going to be in high def. God damn it. Beverly's assertion that there's a lot of things Picard doesn't know about her seems pretty weighty. Like, that's pretty heavy. Oh, she killed a, she killed a man, will, for sure. Will there be a payoff? No. Sources say no, but we can't. Uh, also, he didn't hear her say that. That's true, she did kind of... That was an aside. 
Although this this is one of those things. I mean, this is this TV, and it's like, what are you supposed to do about it? But a lot of the time in those scenes, it seems like she's talking too quietly, and where he is in the cave, he wouldn't be able to hear her well. Yeah, it's like um, <laughs> like a uh, fucking Fast and the Furious movie where they're in the middle of a giant action scene, and they're both talking at regular volume into in separate cars at each other. That's right, <laughs> in the loudest, worst cars. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, how are you holding up? Um, Yar is bad at everything and is a useless character. Yeah. It was a good thing they kill her soon, and better that they didn't really replace her with anybody. Like, Guinan comes yeah, they, along, but... They replaced her with, we don't need this character. Yeah, Guinan comes along, but isn't around that often, so it works. Like, I guess there are too many characters on the show to maximize what they can offer, because they don't have anything for her to do. Well, if you think about it, they get rid of her and it's fine. Then yeah. Wesley disappears in a few years, and, and it's, it's fine. also fine. Yeah, it's really... They have enough characters to carry the and show. Guinan's in every fifth episode or whatever, because I guess Whoopi Goldberg was pretty busy. Yeah, well, she was busy winning. Doing Sister Act 3 or whatever. Busy winning awards when you go back, you go, wait a minute, she, she won an Academy Award? What happened? Explain that again. Um, so, so Yar was obviously a negative as always, but um, I gave it a 7, dude. Okay. I figured Jordy, Troy, half a Riker... There was some decent stuff going on in there. Um, you know, Ben gave it a seven also, and that makes this. Ben's pick of the week. Hi, this is Ben Town, your remote Star Trek edition correspondent with my pick of the week. Pick of the week. That, I gotta make a shorter drop, that's too long. <laughs> it's a three hour pop. That, that robot pick of the week at the end is really gilding the lily. Um, it sounds like one of the fake <laughs> one of the fake drops on um, Crazy Ira and the Douche or something. Yes. <laughs> uh, I kind of patterned it in my mind after uh, Robo Crook from Where in the World is Carmen <laughs> San Diego. Maybe just play that drop next time. I should just play Robo Crook when it's Ben's pick of the week. Double double um, trouble. Play that one too. I like that one a lot. Uh, ben said um, we get to hear about Riker being uh, or passing on a command of his own. Yeah. Uh, he thinks it's interesting because Picard made the obvious choice taking the Stargazer, or the opposite choice. Yeah. Like, I I think the Stargazer probably a little bit better ship. The Drake than sounds the Drake. shitty. I don't know, again, I don't know if it's accurate, but what that computer program is saying about the Drake makes it sound really terrible. Yeah, What's I don't your top know... speed? Ours is warp three. Hey, yeah, don't volunteer exactly. that. That's not a brag. I don't know what class the Drake is, and I... I don't know if there's any ever any canon designation of what the Constellation class is, but um, I have seen it described as a heavy cruiser. So right away, that's better than a light cruiser. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Also, there was no Enterprise when Picard was captain of the Stargazer. How many boobs have you seen? I've seen three. <laughs> that seemed to me like a, sort of an approximate brag. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> Um, let's see. Uh, Ben thought Yar gave good advice to take a small landing party initially. They will never, Oh, there will never be that discussion again. That was great advice to bring that small landing party that immediately blossomed into the entire senior staff. That's right. Everyone, everyone's down there, but Jordy and Worf. Yeah. Uh, Beverly's colony background. Mm-hmm. He liked seeing action Picard. You know who else liked that? Patrick Stewart. He was, he was desperate for it. More fighting and fucking. That's what he wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, I, on the other hand, gave it a six. 
Oh, okay. It's, pretty, it's not terrible. Pretty close. But it's less than you and Ben gave it. Um, I also mentioned Wrecker's first command rejection. I thought Picard had a half-decent bedside manner with Beverly. I thought so, too. Which is not necessarily what we would expect, although we saw uh, sort of a hint of it with um, Wesley's rejection in Coming of Age. Yeah, and maybe he's more comfortable with his lady love than with a some rando or some junior officer or something yeah. like that, too. Um, I thought Riker was a little dumber than usual, and he ended up paired with Yar in a <sighs> in a battle of wits with a with a computer robot, a robot exactly robot weapon or whatever. And I thought it didn't make that much sense that um, with Data standing right there, the solution to their problem just comes from Beverly shouting out, "Why don't you just shut it off?" I know. They probably should have like, thought about that. They should all feel pretty bad that that's how it shook out. Not the part where you have to buy it, because that's weird. Like, they probably wouldn't think of that. They don't even have an economy, as far as we know. No, right. The part where they had to, like, say they were going to buy it to shut it down, maybe you wouldn't think of that right away. But you should definitely be trying to shut it down. Yeah, 100% you should. Yeah. So, um, you know, I gave it a six, basically on the strength of Jordy. Yeah, he crushed it. I love seeing Command Jordy, and I'm upset that this is the last time we're going to see it. And... I don't know if they thought when the writers those writers thought making him the chief engineer just solved a problem that they had or what. Yeah. But I like Jordy in command. And we're just not gonna see it anymore, and Jordy's just gonna get like yeah. weird and insular, and we're not gonna see I think they the guy who Jordy's could career. have been the commander of the ship ever again. I think they totally ruined Jordy's career. Yeah. They didn't, it wasn't good what they did to him. He's just going to be the guy who gets tortured and strikes out with women. Just every lady of every kind. Just ladies don't like him. Yep. That's it, too. Oh, Jordy, you're really nice. I just, um, I don't want to, don't want any parts of my body to touch any parts of yours. So we're only an hour and a half into this. Let's do some quick hitters. Okay, all right. Okay. Uh, I loved Picard's superior and knowing nod when Data said the Minosians sold weapons to both sides. Mm-hmm. He should feel that way about it. Yep. Um, I thought Riker got mad at the hologram of Drake. He gets really worked up. He, he after he plays his little game with him, he suddenly like kicks it up a notch. He's mad at that hologram. What is the? What does that serve? He What's gives, the point of that? He gives him the same shouting that he will, years later, give fake Picard and fake Data and fake Worf. Oh, that's right. Another time he definitely shouts at a hologram. In, the, uh, in Future Imperfect. I can't wait for Future Imperfect. But you're going to have to. It's such good. I'm going to have two pages of quick hitters on Future Imperfect. <laughs> it's amazing. It's a great episode in a weird way. It may it may not score well, but it's... Uh, <laughs> Like one one zero zero one zero zero one. I am looking forward to it. It is baffling the way I was looking forward to this episode for so long. Yeah. Hey, why is Echo Papa such a lousy shot when it fucking floats in unnoticed and has the drop on everybody? Yep. And then it just shoots a tree ten feet from anyone. Picard in the end should say, "Well, I was gonna buy it, but it's not very good. It's very inaccurate. Do you have a it's weapon fire? One? It's just very bad. Do you have one capable of defeating Commander Data?" Uh, I feel like the best acting performance we ever see out of Denise Crosby is in this episode. Yeah. And it is that she has just a half second of a shit eating grin when that second Echo Papa is destroyed before she realizes the captain is missing. 
<laughs> like she just gives Data such a great we got it look, and then immediately. Well, she came up with that great plan to use two phasers. Exactly. I'll <laughs> I'll lead it and you shoot it. Yep. Um. I thought that uh, Chief Engineer Paul Shear was very <laughs> cocky for a lieutenant. Well, he knew he was only talking to a fellow lieutenant. Yeah. Um. Doc, we talked about Kirk's stunt double mm. last week. Mm. Data's stunt double in this episode. I mean, it's just it's just one scene. It's just a scene where he like throws Riker and messes up Riker's hair yep. and then jumps from one rock to another rock. Data's stunt double is so bad. They can never get Brent Spiner's hair yeah. and skin color to match on a stunt double. And that's wild because both of those things are makeup. I know. I, we've talked about this before. I don't know. Data should be the easiest person to double. You just get a guy who's got like a little too much of a double chin for a robot. <laughs> right. Like not a fat guy. Yeah. Just a little too soft for yeah, a robot. Just because he was, you know, he was built that way to look like the guy who built him. Right. And then you put the same makeup on him yeah. that you do on Data and you give him the same wig. I know. And we've talked about this and I... I feel like, for some reason that I can't figure out, something about the white or shimmery makeup and hair actually makes it harder for them to do it, for some reason. But that because makes no al- sense. I know, but it always is so apparent that it is not Data. Like, it's like, how come, time. how come Riker's stunt doubles mostly aren't that bad? That's what I'm saying. Maybe because Riker looks like There's, a regular guy, that guy looks like a guy, whatever. There is one that I cannot wait for. In a, well, frankly, A Matter of Perspective is a great episode. We're going to have a lot of fun doing A Matter of Perspective. <laughs> That's another one like Future Imperfect. <laughs> um, but every single time Data is doubled, it's the most I obvious know. thing in the world. And I cannot figure it out. It should be easier than doubling any of the regular cast. Except maybe Worf. There must be a supercut somewhere on YouTube of just Data stunt doubles. Somebody has to have done the work. It, it would I... be an amazing watch. If not, I I may need to get some video editing software and right. figure this out because it's it's wild. His stunt doubles are wild. Yep. Um. Hey, Beverly, tell Picard about your broken leg while he's fixing your other wounds. She fucking sits on that f- for twenty minutes. She's embarrassed. It's embarrassing no. to have a broken leg. No, there's another wound. My leg. What the fuck have we been doing? I know. I thought we were pretty cool here. Maybe she, like, peed herself and she didn't want him to go down there. Okay, so I have a real a real question for you. All legit right. question that I'm asking you. Okay. Is this change in attitude before and after the commercial break some kind of fake-out that the show is doing? Or did Jordy think of his saucer separation plan while Logan was on the turbo lift on the way up? Oh, I definitely got the feeling that he was about to give in. Yes. And I think you're right. Once Logan shows up on the bridge, he's like, uh, yeah, well, thanks for coming. Uh, you go on this part of the ship. I'll go on this part. All right, we got a plan. I definitely thought that he made it up on the, while the guy was on the way to the bridge. Is there a fucking scene we don't see where Worf leans in and says, we should separate the saucer? For one thing, we can get rid of Logan. I know it's priority one. Yeah. I, I heard I heard your log, because you just do that on the bridge like Kirk. Yeah. And uh, I know you hate that guy. But it's like... He's so sweaty and yeah. nervous and hesitant when he calls him up to the bridge. Cut to commercial, come back. He's cocky. He does that fucking fake out about taking command. Yeah, he's like, of you will be taking section. command. Hold on a second. Oh, the crappy part of the ship. You take that. Uh, it's, it's like, 
yeah, if I had to watch three minutes of commercials, I might not remember that he was the other way before the the thing. Yeah. But now that it's just fade to black, fade back up, and he's fine, it's very hard. Yeah, no, I so. definitely got the same feeling that uh, I, either I missed something or he literally just came up with it on the fly. I thought that the Minosians had a very L-Cars-like computer system. Oh, really? <laughs> yes, that's true. It's basically a lot of pastel-colored you know, shapes. I was kind of impressed with the real-time tracking, though. When they, show, when they show those two squares. Yeah, it definitely didn't look like a Tiger electronic handheld game. So those two squares running away from that triangle, it was pretty good. It definitely wasn't that Batman electronic game where you throw <laughs> batarangs. Yeah. Um, so, Data. Data has no emotions. She, she, as but, we know, is a fact. But he knows to give an uh-oh look to Picard about Beverly's life signs. He's been programmed really good. Like he fucking he scans her with the tricorder. He looks at Picard, and it's like he almost yanks his collar. He goes, "Oh boy!" <laughs> he gives him a "It's not good" look. Yeah. Uh, if the demonstration's over, why is the space one still fighting? Yep. Another one of these semi punishments where LaForge has to stay in command a little bit longer. Yes, that's right. Like until he returns the ship in the condition he left it in. But really, it's a pat on the back. Yeah. And uh, I thought that Solus and Logan looked too much alike, like they might be cousins. Oh. A distracting to me. Uh, nepotism, too. By which I mean they both look a little bit like Paul Shear with more hair. Uh, did Paul Shear ever appear on Star Trek, by the way? I, I don't know. Everyone I has been so. on Star Trek. I'm sure that... Uh, look, we all know that eventually we're going to see Diedrich Bader. Yes, we will definitely see him, and you will definitely recognize him in the back, standing back there at the security console, and you'll go, that's, De- that's Diedrich Bader. It's fucking Diedrich Bader, that's what's De- he doing back Why there? is he here? And then, he'll, and then he'll say something in his Diedrich Bader voice, and you'll go, yeah, it was Diedrich Bader. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, everyone's been on Star Trek. So they all, I mean, look, Ashley Judd, we, we know, right? Yeah. Everyone's in it, but... We, Terry Hatcher's... K- Kirsten, Kirsten Dunst. Sweet, that's right, sweet role. Uh, Terry Hatcher does have, a, does have a sweet role in this, so, yes. Uh, wait a minute. I have her name somewhere. Oh, you do her, too. You know her all her character's the name is like Peon's names. B. G. Wentworth or something. <laughs> it's B. G. Oh, it's B. G. Robinson. Okay, all right. B. Wentworth would have been better. That would have been awesome. If you get, especially if they're called eight seven seven cash now. That's right. <laughs> um, yeah, you're right. Everybody's in it. It could have been Paul Shear, but I don't think either of those was. But they both looked a little bit like him. They would probably not be happy with that comparison. Uh, Matt, I gave uh, best actor to Jordy. Uh, yeah. Okay. And uh, again, if worst, worst actor to Tasha Yar, that's just always going to be the case. Yeah, I feel like that one's going to line up a lot until she's dead, at least, because it well, seems I mean, like, like she she bites it in week twenty two. So we're getting there. Kunta has real acting experience. He's an actual actor, which puts him ahead of everybody but Patrick Stewart. Yeah. Just, like, as a base. What the fuck? There's an angry dog. A fucking jackal outside or something. (laughs) Um, It seems to be a woman pushing a baby in a stroller and another woman walking her dog, and I think the dog hates the baby. Good. As it should be. Dogs and babies are not nature's best friends. Um... So, uh, yeah, I think Jordy is going to get a lot of best actors, at least while he's still cool Jordy. We might not like the character so much later, so. Yeah. Uh, so here's where we are. I gave this 18. You gave it 23. Yeah. That adds up to 41. 
It's not bad. It's in the lead, and 41 is a good score. The average for TNG is uh, 35.6. Yeah, I think we... um. We... Last week we gave it 48 for Heart of Glory. That's surprising. I to know. Me. I think they're in a thing right now where they're executing the episodes well, even if they're, even if it's a cheesy premise or whatever, or a missing premise. They're like they're just kind of putting out decent work, which is very surprising because it's season one. Yeah. I, well, actually, I'll, it makes me curious to see what happens next week because next week I think has a stronger take. Which one's next week? Symbiosis. Oh right, right. right. We've talked about that a couple times already. Yeah. yeah. So it's ripping it off. Um, I didn't do my quick hitters yet. Oh, shit. That's okay, though. I walked right over you, but I know you've got a million quick this hitters. This is a real problem, because this is going to be a four-hour pod. It's fucking um, Arsenal of <laughs> Freedom. All right. All right, all right. Um, so we talked about this a little bit, but do you suppose Riker feels good that Rice got the ship he rejected because it was a piece of shit, or bad that someone he went to the Academy with is already a Starship captain? Uh, it probably was number two, and now it's number one. Because although it's, again, just implied, and we don't know for sure... Rice is dead, right? Rice oh, is yeah, dead yeah, yeah. And Drake is gone. Very dead, and I'm sure at the end of the episode they were all smiles and everything, and everyone forgot that there's a dead crew out there. Yeah, that's right. But they lost a whole starship today. Yeah. <clears throat> in fact, they're just going to go head off and get the saucer section. They're not even going to look. Right. They're done with their search. They really did what? not have what? a good time. We know what happened to the Drake. The Echo Papa 607 got it. Well, for one thing, they got to go get another medical staff, because as we all know, there's only one doctor on the ship. That's right. So, and we haven't even seen Dr. Solar yet, so... If she's down for the count, they're, they're out of doctors. Um, oh. I mean, sick bay, the sick, whoever stayed behind to staff sick bay on the uh, Star Drive section did report that Dr. Crusher was going to be just fine. Uh, Leanne Sue announces to wrap up the episode. And everyone goes, yeah, we did it. Well, thanks, thanks for not let's thanks for tying up that loose end. Oh, dude, dude, Minos is the arsenal of freedom. Welcome to Minos, the arsenal of freedom. That was helpful. I'm glad they told us that part. I thought that's what Worf... again. Room, well, definitely room to have discussed here their Minosian attitude towards selling arms, how it got them in trouble in any way. How their stance that it's the arsenal of freedom and essentially that the, the uh, if I can say, the best defense is a good offense. <laughs> right. Look, dude, they wrote a better episode after they wrote the outline for the episode. That's I guess that's what happened. So they got distracted. I thought they're like, you know what's interesting about this is Jordy in command. So I thought all the, that shit can go. That all the stuff on Worf's wall is what they called the arsenal of freedom in his quarters. <laughs> um. Why? Okay, we already talked about why the Minosians know Earth expressions. Um, same old alien planet set with some tropical plant life tossed in. Very obvious. Yep. The sky is what makes it not convincing. Yeah. What is that color of blue? That's not. It's not. It's not just that. It's that you can see like the light is too concentrated in one area. Yeah. Like you can see that there's one spotlight lighting the whole thing. Yar suggests they spread out a little, but gives no reasoning. It's obviously just so Riker can have a private meeting with Rice. That's right. She's like, let's spread out. And everyone goes, yeah, okay. Uh, she read the script. <laughs> That's exactly right. No, she must have had a copy of the script. She had a copy of the script. Um, I was over there. We already talked about one of the all-time most convincing answers you can give. Can we can we back off for a second here? Uh, Red Letter Media has really gone downhill since it did those uh, initial reviews of the yeah. Star Wars prequels. Like, their stuff now, like, they're just weirdly misogynistic now. Yeah. Um, but... They're intro. They're they're introducing me to the idea that There's... various characters took the actions they took because they have the script. Yes. <laughs> they read the script. Uh, it's, it's, good... it's just such a great way to dispose of these little problems. Yeah, 
it's a good way to explain the shittiness of these of yeah. these uh, the lack of motivation any of the characters have to do anything. Um, no, Riker. Just because he says his ship's top speed is warp three doesn't mean he's saying it's still intact. <laughs> it's just the way he said the dang sentence. It's not. Yep. He doesn't mean that it is currently out there flying around at warp three. <laughs> like, why is Riker dumb? Uh, so you're saying it's still out three. there? What's yours? So it's still out there then? <laughs> it's like, no, that's not really what he meant. So far, the only information that you've gotten out of this is that they saw Paul Rice. That's right. They know what his voice sounds like. Yeah. He probably had a dumb fake conversation with the thing, too. Yeah. Uh, there's your girl, Leanne Sue, dude. I was excited when I saw her on the bridge. I know that's... Yeah, man. That's... I, named, I named a starship after her in uh, Star Trek Online. You roll with Leanne Sue. She also appears in DS9 and Babylon 5. Also, I just, one of I the just wish her uniform fit better. It's very distracting how much it's tucked under her boobs. Yeah, it does kind of get wedged under there. She's probably wearing one of those super padded bras, too. Cause... Yes, I'm sure Rick Berman or somebody. They're not allowed to be on the show unless you got the big tits. I was like, not D cups or nothing. Yeah. Uh, she was in one of the Rambos, too, with a really terrible Vietnamese accent. Um, right. At least Jordy still has Worf to help him. That I was very happy to see that they're still together. They are a good team. They do make a good team. Um, why are phasers... <clears throat> this is a good question for the show. Why are phasers not just slower than the speed of light, but actually slower than a thrown football? It's a very good question. Why is everyone able to just move out of the way of moving phaser Oh, beams? man. Uh, I've changed my mind, dog. If Once I get some video editing technology and learn how to do it, I'm just going to do, do a version of this episode where Peyton Manning chucks a football <laughs> at the Echo Papa 607. And it keeps it getting out. out of the way for the first few, but then two footballs. Two footballs. <laughs> like... Why is everyone able to jump out of the way of yeah, moving Yeah, people will forever be able to dodge yeah, phasers. Just... And stuff that they explicitly describe as lasers, people can dodge too, and that's not possible. It just, it makes me crazy when this happens. It is, it's already insane when people can jump out of the way of bullets. Yep. In movies. Yeah, you ain't, you ain't move faster than a bullet, people. But, but the speed of light's not just fast. It's like so fast. <laughs> It's just it's not that it's just fast. It's that nothing can be faster than it. Yeah. So I really I just in this episode it was very the Echo Papa was slowly moving out of the way of moving phaser beams. I'm just yeah. very unhappy. Well, that's okay. It couldn't hit them either. I know. Um Hey, Crusher is a much better actor than Garrett Wang. Oh my god. Because her broken arm pain was way more believable than his headaches. It's a low bar, I know, but I did notice it. And he can't, Well, yes, it is extremely low bar, but you're right. We've seen him tired and having been tortured <laughs> and in other kinds of pain, and it's it's not credible. It's not good at all. It's not good, and it's not credible. When she winced a few times, I kind of winced. I'm it, like, oh. No, she sold it. Yeah. Like, and she seemed in shock when she should. Like, basically, she did a pretty good job. Yes. She just, Jordy had so much more work to do in this episode. Yeah, but yeah. otherwise, I think she would have been a good candidate for best actor here. Because she, she did a very good job. Uh, I just have written here, and I guess this is a wrestling joke. Is that Chief Engineer Logan's music? I guess because he, he showed up in the episode. Maybe like his, the, rock, the Rock's music came on, if you smell. Anyway... Uh, it's the really small stuff that separates the silly nonsense of Voyager and Enterprise from the silly nonsense of TNG. Things like the acting advantage of having Patrick Stewart. Him testing those herbs and trying to, like, muddle through medical treatment was sort of convincing. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, when he spits it out and says bitter. Yeah, and he's, like, not enjoying it. 
and he right and he rubs it on his hand and he says it's changing color and he doesn't like shout that it's changing color <laughs> right. or, or read it off a page break, break into tears like <laughs> archer would yeah. his, 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 his hands turning yellow yeah you're right like the subject matter is just as bad but there's just it has these slight advantages over some of the other shows yeah, it's the people that more reliably seem like people. Like, the DS9 characters are all pretty wooden, the Voyager actors are terrible, and the Enterprise actors most of the time are just reading off of a page. It really seems like that. Um, what good would Beverly's grandma's knowledge of herbs on Arvada 3 have to do with herbs on any other planet? Yeah, I assume that... Th- so they didn't go into this level of detail, but I assume that those two tests suggest that it's alkaline. Okay. And that that is that all alkaline liquids have a clotting property or something like that. Mm. Well, we've seen a lot of weird alien stuff, I'm just saying. Herbs, it's a good question. Herbs on I every mean, planet ain't going to be the same. I mean, we Look, can... it was was really lucky that when he went over to those roots, a fucking one of them didn't come alive and stab him with a thorn <laughs> that made him have nightmares. <laughs> That's right. Oh, we're only a season away from that. That's the next generation. Yep. That one's hard to defend. That's a tough... Well, it's a clip show, so you're just starting from the very bottom on that one. Um, hey, why did Data jump down that pit? How are they going to handle the next iteration of this weapon with one fewer phaser? Also, what if he gets down there and it's just a pit? Yeah, like, is he going to be able to jump back up? Can he jump, like, 30 feet in the air? Uh, 30 meters, by the way. Oh, oh, it's 10 meters. Yeah, it's 10 meters, 10 right? Meters. Yeah. The thir- thir- 33 feet or whatever. Can he, like, do what uh, our cat did and do a standing leap on the top of the fridge? No, probably not. <laughs> Man, do you remember that time that he... I don't know if you were there. Did you ever see the one where he leapt up and hit the lamp in the hallway? <laughs> yes! yes. <laughs> That's eight feet high! <laughs> How's that even possible? He was so fat! Yeah, he was a good jumper. Cats are amazing people. I don't know if you knew that. And he trained his jumping ability because we had him declawed. <laughs> And so he hopped everywhere instead of walking because he was an amputee and he had to relearn shit. Yeah, he did. He wasn't good at learning. Uh, but he for sure could jump. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. what. There's. It's a good question. Luckily, when he got... Well, also, it doesn't matter. Because when he got down there and he asked to see the schematics or whatever... The schematic? Still, it was still Beverly just shouted, why don't you turn it off? So. Yeah, Data gets down there and he pulls a straight schematic. Yeah, Data gets down there and does nothing, and all he did was make it harder for Riker and Yar. Yep. I would have loved to see Data just jump up and grab the Echo Papa 607 <laughs> out of the air and smash it on a rock. <laughs> Fuck phasers. I'm faster than phasers. You seen the phasers in this show? They're not fast. Uh, well, first of all, he dodged the he dodged the lasers in the murder room That's in right. home soil. He did. So. Um, just like you had best actor, Jordy, I had episode MVP, Jordy. Yeah. Well, for sure he's the episode MVP. Uh, victory for the kid. Outwardly calm and confident, even though he was uncertain about his ability to see the young crew through it. But he got the job done! Yep. So there you go. Only two hours through those first two episodes. Let's let's hurry up on the back end. <laughs> well, luckily, we never have as much to say about the back half. That's true. So. Uh, this week, we watched The Homecoming. DS9, uh, exploring some uh, some episode arcs here, some plot arcs. Part one of this mofo, Kira learns uh, from Quark, of all people, that 
some legendary Bajoran freedom fighter, Lee Nollis, is being held in a Cardassian prison camp, even though they aren't supposed to have any more prisoners of war. So she goes off on a crazy mission with O'Brien to uh, rescue the guy from the camp. And uh, when they get back, they try to use this guy to help fix some internal strife going on on Bajor, where they got some weird, whatever the version of white supremacists are, some Bajoran supremacists who want all aliens off of Bajor and shit. And so now this guy has got to be the unwilling fucking legendary savior of Bajor or whatever. Um, and then in the end of the episode, oh no, Kira got reassigned. This guy's the new Bajoran attache. What's going to happen next week on the new and improved season two DS9? Yeah, was, I mean. What was this thing about uh, the extra challenge of this episode being that it is only part one? Right, and I try. Uh, tr- still don't have that much experience with these multi parters. We've only really done the menagerie. Yeah. So. Hopefully the scores don't take too much of a dive for being a part one. Here's what this episode is about. And it's um, got to give him points because it's something Cisco just says. Oh, good. I hope you have the exact same quote as me. Uh, Legends are as powerful as any truth. You have the exact same quote as me. Uh, That's a four for me. Yeah. Uh, No, I'm sorry. That's a three. I forgot. (laughs) I had it at a three. Uh, That's a three because it's kind of pessimistic like i feel like the star trek take is that a painful truth is better than a legend yeah and also it's not consistent because they're so anti-religious i figured they'd be anti-myth too but yeah they're kind of not in this one um it's also very political but yeah it it is and um a lot of what Cisco does in this episode is nakedly political. Mm-hmm. He learned from his best friend Vedic Baril. He exactly. He's been taking he's been taking Baril lessons. Uh, so I gave it a three. How did you think the exact same take? <laughs> I literally had the exact same thing. I have it as a five. I, I said, yeah, that's correct. It's a truism, right? Like sometimes it, they're powerful. You know, legends. It's not a scalding take. It's not very Star Trek. But it's I don't know. It's I thought it was fine. You know what? It's a four. Okay. <laughs> I couldn't really defend it very well. The number of times you say it's fine. <laughs> that usually means. I mean, it's fine is usually pretty much an indictment. The more times you say it's fine, it's negative one point. So I think I said it like six times on that one. Um, execution, I gave it a six. Let me explain. Yes, please do. Arcs, like episode arcs, like multi-episodes, obviously make judging the premise kind of difficult. We definitely saw the whole explanation of how he didn't want to be a legend. This guy's like, oh, I wasn't, I wasn't a freedom, like a heroic freedom fighter. I killed a naked dude one time, and everyone turned it into this big thing. Apparently, he ambushed by accident some notorious Cardassian gull who was like bathing in a river or something, and so he didn't have any clothes on. And then he kills the guy, and everyone thought he was some kind of hero who beat the guy in hand-to-hand combat or whatever. I mean, they really wanted to drive this home. He didn't just accidentally ambush him. He slipped and rolled down a cliff and ambushed him. He was him. kind of a dope, actually. He fucking Laurel and Hardy'd him. So it's like, we get that part about how he doesn't want to be a legend anymore. He never was anyway. He feels like a fraud. And, and, but we don't, we don't really get any payoff yet. He's still willing to... Cisco talks him into sticking around and trying to help out Bajor. 
but we don't know what's going to happen. So I kind of have to punt on in term, the execution of the premise itself. Um, yeah. One thing I liked was that the big prison break happened in like the middle of the episode. It's something that yes. would have been the climax in a lot of episodes. I thought it was an unexpected choice to just knock that out in the first 25 minutes. Cause they get or a- they could have done a... Fuck me. Uh, the, you know, it's the one where Data has dreams and Worf goes to that prison camp. Birthright? Birthright. They could have done a real birthright and had it end right as they got to the prison camp. Yeah. Yes. So they knocked it all out. I thought it was an unexpected choice and I, I thought it was pretty effective. So I just thought the episode was fine. Uh, six. Um, I had it at a five, so we're not, we're not far off here. Um, I think they did a really good job of showing Lee's reluctance to be a hero. Like he plays it that way the whole time. He's not happy even about the prison break necessarily. Yeah. Not the way it went down where these guys are sending secret messages to get him specifically free from the prison camp. Yeah. He, he, he doesn't like that they had to leave those guys behind, et cetera, even though it turned out okay. Um, and I thought that he was playing sort of the imposter syndrome that he has pretty well. Yeah. Uh, and it turns out that the sort of slower than usual pacing here is because it's a multi-part episode. Right. Um, but it does kind of end up making this part a little bit underwhelming. You mean uh, part one or? Yeah, part one. This episode is a little bit underwhelming. I think because it's They're it's paced it. really slow. They're saving the, the juice. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, I do think that they've, uh, aside from just what's going to happen with Kira, right, which they set up for the next episode, right. there are a couple of interesting little questions that are still lingering that, that want to be answered. So we haven't really settled anything with this, the circle, right, with yeah, these guys. Yeah, the supremacists, yeah, right. We don't really know what side this Bajoran politician is on. Yeah, he's political too. He gives Linolas a whole speech about how if he ever does anything like that, he'll or Kira, if she ever does anything like that again, she'll be in real trouble. But privately, he's really happy she saved what's his name from that prison camp. But most interesting of all, I think setting up for future episodes is what's Golducott's game. Yeah, because when they get back from the prison camp, Cisco's already on the horn with Golducott, and he's apologizing for having had prisoners at all, and he's sending the rest of them back. Extremely conciliatory, and, and I have problems with that, and I'll talk about it in later. It's stuff. very suspicious, right? Yeah. Yep. So, that's that's the stuff that's setting up for for future episodes. So, they're doing some work there that um, that's good. You know what else is good? The last two episodes of last season and this episode are all Bajor focused, and that's what they need to be doing. Yep. That's yep, what we wanted. Well, while O'Brien was gone, the station computer didn't become intelligent, or <laughs> yes. uh, weird aliens who don't know about imagination showed up. I mean, right. yeah. maybe that happened and they just didn't even show it to us. But It happens every week, so I think, I think that's true. I think it happened, but they didn't bother giving us the rundown. World building wise, though, I thought this was a little bit weak. Okay. So I gave it a three. Okay. And I have uh, a couple of things. The Cardassians repatriated all Bajoran prisoners at the end of their occupation. I I, st- I, it, I still don't know so much about what happened. How they were forced off or... Yes, how they were forced off, why they left. They give us the what, same take. It seems like they left in a position of no power. Like, 
the Bajoran government has the power to try somebody for war crimes. Yeah. They were supposed to have repatriated all Bajoran prisoners, including probably people who had killed Helicardassians. Yeah, from what I from what they've told us, they give us the same take as the generic take you get about Vietnam that we were forced out or whatever. The it's they rose up and and threw off their oppressors. But with the special part that now Bajor is in the Federation's camp, and I think that gives them this extra political clout, right? Like you're mentioning to do the sh- to do the war crimes trials and stuff like that because now they're in bed with the Federation. So. It's like if Vietnam, after they, after we left Vietnam, they were somehow in bed with a more powerful country than the United States or something. Right. So. Uh, let's see. Cardassians, uh, uh, just uh, showing the technological level, they don't appear to be able to detect that a runabout landed right next to their prisoner of war camp. Yeah. Like, fine, even if they think it's a Lysippian freighter, why is it right there? Yep. Uh, it takes, uh, you know, a couple of Galors show up at the end, but who knows what, what prompted them to appear. Yeah, I don't know what the countdown O'Brien's giving is. F- I don't understand. Like, what? why are they showing up? Are they suspicious? Is it because they dropped that force field? Have the weapons, does the weapons fire on the planet tip them off? I'm not really sure what, what happened. Uh, and then um, they give Lee Nallis the title of uh, Navark. Yep. Who wrote this show? <laughs> because of the Tetrarch and the Navarch. And the and Navarch. The, yeah, I don't know. Who thinks that they've found some great old Greek titles? And but that they it doesn't matter what they mean. Yes, it doesn't not only does it not matter what they mean. It doesn't matter how many times they go back to the same fucking well. Just like a Tetrarch was one of the four leaders of the Byzantine Empire. Yep. Also, uh... uh Navark is the Greek word for admiral. <laughs> so... Uh, yes. Yeah. What? He's an admiral now. He's a space... He's space admiral Lee no, Nollis. We, di- we didn't know what title to give him, so we're calling him a Navark. <laughs> we literally did uh, not Also, know. he's an, he's your attaché now. Also... Yeah, I don't know if you can tell, we really didn't know what to name it. Uh, we have no fleet, so it doesn't... Yeah. The title's meaningless. Yeah. I gave it a three for world building. Maybe you uh, found some things in there that I didn't. Before I jump in, I'll just say that Ben gave fours across the board so far. Four for take, four for execution, four for world building. Yeah. Um, now, this was not his pick of the week. Yeah, for his take, he had symbols do not have to be factual to be powerful. Um... So Which basically the, the exact same thing. same thing, but he didn't use the Ben Cisco. He quote. just he just didn't exactly take Cisco's How quote. How dare you? I always it. do. I always do when they just say it. I always take the exact quote if I can. That's right. Um, so I'll, I'll jump into world building. I also gave it a three. Uh, the seventy sixth rule of acquisition about declaring peace at random intervals to confuse your enemy or whatever. Yeah, I, I will never give a point for a rule of acquisition. <laughs> See, sometimes I put stuff on here that I'm not going to give them points for. I just yeah. wrote it down at the time. Hey, um, about Cardassia 4. Does that yeah. mean the fourth planet in the Cardassian star system? Or like Earth Colony 5 or whatever from TOS? Mm, it's a good question. How many inhabitable planets are in the Cardassia system? Is Cardassia 4 Cardassia Prime? I don't really know. I guess it's not, right? It's not explained which planet Cardassia 4 is or where it is. Um, 
a lot of strife down on Bajor these days. For some reason, Kira thinks this guy will unite Bajor, but it seems like she's introducing an unstable element. But uh, anyway, there's um, a lot of Bajoran background stuff that they give us about the circle and uh, all that shit. Um, they did name this guy. He's the first ever Aardvark. There's never been one, so he's getting the Kayla's treatment. Can I say, by the way, that it's weird that these guys would assume that this freedom fighter is going to be totally like, yeah, I love the Federation. They can stay. Why would you not? Why would you not assume that he's going to be like, yeah, Bajor for the Bajorans? Yeah, there's a lot of problems. That's why we just fought. That's why we were fighting these Cardassians. There's a lot of problems with that part specifically. She brings this guy back, and instantly Cisco has him in on every meeting, every like yep. all the station business. This guy's tagging along for, and it's like, including come see that Quark got branded. Yeah, let's come in. Let's come interview or interrogate Quark together. Some guy I just met. Like what? I don't understand. Cisco was all in on this shit. Um, uh, yeah, so I had a three, like you. There wasn't much in there. Did you feel any better about characterization? Yeah, I give it five. Um, let's see, Quark will even resort to snitching to get an advantage on Odo and other smugglers. In the beginning, he has tipped Odo off to, uh, to some smuggler on some other ship or something. Mm-hmm. Also, he cheats his brother uh, aggressively. And I think we're supposed to like him. <laughs> yep. I always keep coming I keep coming back to the fact that I think they want us to like Quark, but they make him just really like evil, like he's a bad guy. Yeah, again, he has he has the best little character moment in this scene. Yeah. When uh Kira refers to him as handsome, and even though it's sarcastic, he's still way into it. But and but he's into it in a way like he's not into it in a hacky way where he just like says what he's feeling out loud. Yeah. He just kind of goes, "Really?" <laughs> yeah. Um some great Cisco as a strict dad stuff. You don't... I also said Cisco is at his best when he's playing dad. Yeah. Jake is nearly as tall as Cisco now. I almost said he's nearly as tall as Ben, but I didn't want to confuse anyone or be a liar cuz Jake's definitely taller than our VP Ben. Yeah, yes, but not Ben Sisko. Not Ben Sisko, but he's getting close. Right. Uh, I gotta say, Sisko's a lot more involved and animated in this episode than he was in season one. He's, yes. He's, I think, I really do think his work with Vedic Boreal has got him energized. Yeah, his sli- the slimy politics of it all he's into. And then more good dad stuff. He had a uh, dealing with racism moment with Jake. He did. Uh, and then he convinced Lee Nollis to keep uh, lying to everybody for the greater good. So Cisco was everywhere this week. Uh, Dax shows an astonishing lack of political savvy <laughs> for a 300-year-old. She thinks that after their commando raid on, Card- on Cardassia 4, the Cardassians will owe them an apology. Because that's how military dictatorships work. <laughs> like, if they were embarrassed of keeping prisoners of war, they probably wouldn't have kept any. Now, yep. she only ends up being right because the episode writers were equally naive. <laughs> that, for some reason, Gul Dukat calls and he's like, wow, I didn't know. This is really embarrassing that we have these prisoners of war, just like Dax said. But that is an insane <laughs> thing to think. It is. That that's how they were. Like, if we attacked North Korea because they were doing some dumb shit, that they'd go, you're right, we're sorry. Or like, some, I, you know what I mean? Like, come on. Can I also say that uh, at this point, Cisco should be thinking back to the episode Dramatis Personae, mm. where Dax fucking straight up flipped on him 
and was all 100% in Kira's camp. Yeah. Because, like, right away, she's like, so you're going to give Kira the runabout? Be like, hey. Hey, we're close personal friends, <laughs> and I'm your superior officer. Are you fucking Kira? <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, Are you and Kira fucking? Let's just What's lay our happening? cards on the table here. What the fuck? Like, look, I've known you a long time. Are you and Kira banging? Yeah. Because you're you're way in the major Kira camp. Yeah. O'Brien was in this episode, too. It was kind of weird. Yeah. Uh, O'Brien is a good pilot? That's the first time we've ever yeah, seen him pilot a ship. That is correct. But that's what Cisco says. And he's super gung-ho on this Lee Nollis mission. Um... Yeah, he, of course, he wants to, can't wait to get back into battle with Cardassians. It doesn't still haunt him what he saw. <laughs> Man, it's TNG so much better. Um, Kira has rashly declared that this is a do-or-die mission. Yep. Bring back and Lee Nollis, or don't come back at all. And by the way, O'Brien's like, whatever. <laughs> He's like, fuck her. Seems fair He's to like, me. No, that's, that's what I assumed the stakes were going to be. That's so crazy. Like... If you can't save this guy, you can still go back home. You already didn't have this guy. Like, it is not the end of the world. It is a good point. You were already getting by without him. Uh, It's very strange that she declared, like, this is the hill she's going to die on. She wants to get this guy back. Um, Bashir still sucks. Now he's some kind of a kiss-ass instead of just a perv. Yep. So, he still sucks. Uh, But it was fine. But thank God they've backed down a little bit on that perv angle, huh? Yeah, it was getting too much. It Um, did bring us the so far the best version of Dax, but otherwise <laughs> sex dax sex dax that's right so yeah prove me wrong terry i think uh just on the way to i don't know cisco being better that it was a five yeah i definitely could not have given it as high as a five okay. because um we got to see o'brien playing a pimp and kira playing a whore uh, it wasn't and those good. two things are so wildly out of their character yeah like o'brien is a pimp yeah, uh, first of all Hey, Cardassian Guard, this is a Bajoran and a human. And a human. What two groups contain both Bajorans and humans that you would not want to see? Who do you not expect to see on Cardassia for right Should now? you not be... Okay, maybe it's the Federation. That's not good for you. If the Federation has shown up on Cardassian 4 on this prison camp. Maybe but it's also the... it might could be the Maquis. <laughs> maybe it's the Maquis, which is also not going to go super well for you, because their express mission is just to murder Cardassians. Yeah, they don't They don't even have rules, so it ain't going to be great You're if it's the Maquis. You're probably not going to run into traveling hookers? Yeah. Who came to Oh, fuck you came you. to Cardassia 4 to apply your trade, huh? It's uh, He has some explaining to do. If he, he lives through that, he needs to explain a lot. Yeah, that guy is getting a reprimand at least, right? Yeah. Mm. So what you're saying is the human said, hey, you remember how Bajorans are hella nasty in the sack? And you were like, well, I'm going to touch her. And then she beat you lot. up? Yep, that's basically how it went. I, you, yeah. you can see my point of view, though, right? Well, <laughs> you're on a garbage scow now, so... <laughs> Or just straight up jail. That was bonkers to me. I couldn't believe that guy could that not was, make any either one was, of those connections. That was wild, but I hated it so much. I hated it the most, and I hate thinking about it now, so I could not give as much as a five for characterization. I love to see Gul Dukat, though, even in a minor role. You know, I forgot to give him points, but he is Dude amazing. is a scene stealer. He's amazing. Uh, I thought that Cisco is so much better when he's playing dad than when he's playing station commander that it might be the only part of the role that Avery Brooks was interested in. He's like, oh, I'm going to get to play a dad. 
I've always wanted like, to play a TV dad. He saw the first page of the emissary script where Jake's at the fishing hole and he doesn't want to go to the station and he's like, I don't want to go to the station either. And he's and like, I miss I your can, mom. He's like, I and can do like, this. Yeah. There's something here I can dig into. We've got a, we're going to see a, a black single father. Yeah. I'm going to have the opportunity to right some wrongs. This is going to be something for me to dig into. And then it's just. <laughs> and then move along home happens or whatever. Just move along home and Babel and fucking. Yep. He's talking to a chubby Asian guy <laughs> who's dressed as a ball player, and it's he's just what is happening here? Yeah, no, I, I think we've been saying all along that they have done a bad job in general, but specifically using Cisco, they use him uh, in almost no meaningful ways. So I don't blame him for the actor being checked out if he's checked out. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Anyway, but you're right; they wrote the character to be checked out too. Yep. Uh, anyway, uh, I gave it a four for characterization. Okay, that's pretty cool. It, it really shot itself in the foot with that Kira scene. It was Kira and O'Brien. Disturbing. Uh, this is like, look, there are going to be scenes, there are going to be Next Generation episodes that get hurt when, like, Beverly has uh, to be sexy to get information out of somebody. Did not, yeah, I don't like that. <sighs> don't make the women do sexual espionage. It's all I'm saying. Just don't do it. Yeah, for one thing... I don't buy any of these ladies as, like, femme fatale, like, the honeypot ain't gonna work. You know what I mean? Right. I'm sorry. Right. That's just not how it works. These are the same people that I've seen Beverly in a nasty old green unitard, and (laughs) I don't... It's just not... She ain't gonna sex nobody for their secrets or nothing. It's just not happening. All right? Mmm. A 45-year-old redhead. (laughs) That's exactly what I wanted. (laughs) I bet you've got sun damage. Are you a betazoid? You read my mind. Uh, Fine. But look, their characters are not... They're not sexual espionage characters, and they shouldn't have to be. I agree. Come on, Star Trek, get it together. Get it together with regard to women, please. Please, by the time the... Just a a little... Just a fucking little tiny amount. Just get it a little bit together. By the time the 90s have wrapped up, can we please... Can we please do this? Oh no! Wait, we've seen. Oh, no, definitely, we definitely, for sure, definitely won't because we've already seen. Yeah. T. Paul's rubbing her boobs in Archer's face and pretending to be a sex slave yep. for the Ferengi. You got it. They didn't figure it out. That's she the already. She already did a umox. Yeah, she did. Stroke my lobes. Worst thing I've ever heard on television. That's the. That's number one. The worst. You can't say stroke my lobes on TV. Is... Matt, do you have quick hitters? Yeah, why don't you do some math? Um, I know it's complicated math. Beep, boop, 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 hey, does oh, Odo's... I'm sorry, that's the, that's the press your luck. I don't know why I made that noise. Don't do that. I, I'm going to get distracted. Does Odo's hair look different? Is he doing more of a uh, Clint Eastwood voice, too? Is this a new Odo or an Odo revamp for season two? I also thought Odo had a season two hair haircut. Yeah, he went season two hair, and I think he was really going Clint Eastwood. Everything he said had like, a lot of attitude in it. Um... Is saying how you know what his vo- you know what it is? It's not Clint Eastwood. He's he's moved ten percent further along the road towards Dexter Jetster. <laughs> yes, I think you're mm-hmm. right. depends on how big your pocketbook is. Yeah, pretty soon Odo will be CGI too. So that it's yeah, gonna be- he's gonna have six arms. And he's gonna be CGI, four arms, whatever. Yeah. Uh, it's coming up to somebody and saying, "How are your lobes?" Like saying, "How are your balls?" or something. <laughs> how's it hanging maybe that's a how's it hanging for them it's kind of a weird icebreaker yeah 
The padded bras on these ladies, dude. It's rough. Nuts how... We just were just talking about this. Nuts how sexist this show still was in 1993 or 4 or whatever. Hey, dogs. It's okay to have small and medium-sized boobs. They ain't all gotta be D-cups. Not everybody's got giant tits, and that's fine, because how does that help them? How does that help them in their job performance? It does not. You know what? It's about time that we stop judging women on how big their boobies are in the workplace. All right? I'm putting my foot down. It's 2017. (laughs) All right. All right. Um... Oh, uh, sorry. Who's that? Was oh, that, that was uh, Kira. Was that Kira in her undershirt again? Yeah, Kira, I still by the way, fucking hate that uniform without the jacket. That is a skinny lady, and there is a zero percent chance that those are her boobs. That is a yep. one thousand percent famous Star Trek padded bra. Yep. Like like all women who have dancers' bodies, she has big old cans. Right. Uh, I'm not sure you can learn how to hit Bob Gibson's fastball. I think you <laughs> it could. Does like, not seem like you can learn it. I think you could like increase your bat speed. Like through a lot of training. But hey, did you change? Did you change the settings in the hall suite so you could hit Bob Gibson's fastball? <laughs> That's exactly what the. I right sure did. That's I also put it into ice field mode. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> it's funny watching the fielders slip all around and stuff, and the ball doesn't. It like slides around. It's good stuff. Um, Lee Nollis sounds more like a '70s pitcher than a college football player, but it, I, the trend still holds in terms of cool Bajoran names. Agreed. Um. Legendary victory over Gull whatever in hand-to-hand combat? Is this like the ancient world where leaders got together and dueled? Like, I thought they were using laser guns and shit. Yep. Legend of his hand-to-hand combat. I guess there's nothing legendary about shooting a guy with a laser gun. I I, I guess, but I didn't think we had legends like this anymore. We don't have the legend of that guy who shot Osama bin Laden. I know, that's my point. Apparently in the future we're back to having... Hand-to-hand but combat legends. If a Navy SEAL had choked him out, <laughs> if he'd really gotten into a fucking fucking crawl, we might talk fight. about that guy a little bit more, huh? Yeah. Hey. I did like in Zero Dark Thirty when Chris Pratt called to him, Osama, <laughs> Osama. <laughs> it was pretty good. Um, yeah. Isn't uh, I got a serious question here about the law of Starfleet? I yep. know this is asking a dangerous question, but... It's very dangerous. O'Brien's solution about souping up the runabout system so the Cardassians don't detect it or think it's a different ship. Mm-hmm. How does that fit? Is that a gray area? How does that fit in, in comp- as compared to cloaking your ship? Yes. Well, it's a good question. Cause it's... Are you saying that it might be a violation of the uh, Treaty of Algernon? Algernon. <laughs> yes, Treaty of Algernon. <laughs> yes, I... I don't know, but it's doesn't it seem like the same thing. Uh, well, let's put it this way: uh, what they're doing is definitely espionage. Yeah, uh, O'Brien could for sure hang for this. Yeah, right. He if he got is caught out in of that uniform. Camp, yeah, they have faked a, their ship's ID. Absolutely, an enemy spy for sure. Yeah, he's one hundred percent an enemy spy. Not in the way that, like, if you like go mountain climbing in Iran, they might just capture you or something. Right. Like, right. well, but also don't do that. Don't do it because they will capture you and they'll call you a spy. But I'm just there's saying, lots like, of other mountains to climb. That's all I'm going <laughs> to climb say. the ones in the places where you're allowed to be. Um, yeah, I don't. Everyone's just really, like, on the same page. Like, yeah, that's a really good idea. You should do that thing where the runabout looks like it's another alien ship. But I just, I'll make it look like a Lysippian freighter. I well, really don't know if that's legal. Yeah. I don't know if this commando raid's legal, and I don't know why no one cares. That's all I'm saying. Um, 
season two Kira as fake Butch as season one Kira. I had to put that in. Yep. Um, They'll soften her up later, dude. She's going to be pregnant. Yeah. They seem very surprised when they get to that planet and they find multiple prisoners. Like they thought there was a prison compound with just one Bajoran <laughs> Just in had it, Lee Nollis in there. And that he was the only prisoner of war that they ever took. Like, they are baffled when the censors pick up multiple life signs. Like, they were just going to find him shooting hoops all along. <laughs> yeah. Behind, like, a chain link fence. <laughs> yeah, I did not understand what they were doing. Um, Cardassian Guard, I already talked about him. He's a major dummy. Um, Kira shows a little bit of collarbone to this guy, and he is way into it. For real. Is that because Cardis have weird necks? Oh god, it might be. Like, is that hot? Oh, they might be into clavicles. Because she does this thing where she starts to pull down her shirt and you think she's going to show some cleavage or something. But she just pulls it to the side. She really only shows collarbone. Yeah. And he's like, oh, what? And she's already kneeing him in the junk. Yeah. So maybe that's a weird Cardassian neck thing. Is that Frank Langella? There's the uh, Bajoran politician? Uh, might have been. I think it looked like him, in which case, everyone's been in Star Trek. So, yeah, not X-Astrocentia, I want Memory Alpha. Let's do, a, let's do a Google Fest here. Google it. Memory Alpha. Star Trek yeah, D-Space you're 9. You're right, yeah. I mean, everybody That's has Straight been up in. Frank Langella. Uh, <laughs> that guy's like a respected actor. <laughs> Come on, buddy, what are you doing? Stay out of Deep Space Nine. It's not cool. You found it, right? Checking on who was in it. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, Frank Langella for sure. That's what I'm saying. He's like a respected actor. Why is he in Deep Space Nine? He needs to not be in that. He needs to go back Fra- in time. Frank Langella's performances in this episode, The Circle, and The Siege are uncredited at the actor's own request. I don't blame as him! He, as he did the show for his children, uh, not for exposure or money. No, dog, it's because he didn't want to be associated yeah. with fucking Deep Space Nine. You know what? That Fine, then. He made a good decision. They're, they're uncredited for the same reason Michael Jackson's uncredited on the Sonic the Hedgehog 3 soundtrack. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say, I thought you were gonna, you were gonna say Rockwell's album, but yes, but yes, also Rockwell's album. <laughs> yes, for sure. Yeah, well, that's fine then. Now I don't have a complaint about it anymore. He made the right decision. He went, yeah, he, oh, I'll be in it, right. but don't tell anyone. Oh, my kids like this dumb show, but uh, don't put my name on it. That's right. I know this guy is Kira's pet project, this Lee Nollis guy, but why is Cisco letting him come along on all their official station business? Yeah, um, for sure. Master tactician Lee Nollis got caught within one minute of trying to stow away on that freighter. That's right. So that's before we hear his story about what a klutz he was and how he just kind of ran into that Cardassian. So he's not that's a master right. tactician, but man. Bajoran George Washington got fucking, <laughs> got caught immediately. That would hurt his rep. Uh, I want Lee Nollis to be played by present day Rob Lowe. Can we make that happen? Oh, that'd be so great. would have been pretty good. Uh, episode MVP, I had Lee Nollis. He broke out of prison, was named uh, First Mavis, and uh, he was <laughs> first first of his name, and it was a good episode for him. <laughs> yeah. Um, Matthew, why do people in TV shows leave when with other people just standing around in their homes? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I gotta it's go. Like, you hang out that, here. It's a thing that only happens in TV, yep. and... Kira is so pissed off that Quark has deigned to even come to her quarters. Like, how dare he? 
If he sets foot in her bedroom, she will kill him. Yep. But as soon as she gets that earring, she's like, I'm out of here, and just leaves him standing in her living room. Like, you know he is selling her underwear. Like, it's a goddamn, like, it's the fucking The Sims, the video game. And that guy's just hanging out in her living room now. I'm just saying for sure... Oh, yeah. You know, he sells creeping. her underwear across the bar now. He's creeping for sure in there. And, yeah, you're right. In real life, you'd stand in the doorway, and you'd give, like, 15... Okay, so... <laughs> all, right. all right. Listen, I'm leaving. I so, gotta, thanks, thanks for bringing this, and I'm going to take care of it right now. So, oh, okay. And you would definitely not leave until that guy was gone. So, um, is this little replimat set... Is it here because they wanted it for this season, or did was someone just like, wait, wouldn't Quark, Quark couldn't have gotten back to the bar before them, so, so we can't have it at Quark's. So we need to build a new set. So like, just give there'll be just like a little cafe next to Quark's. Yeah, it's a good question. Yeah, maybe it's just a revamp. Like Ten Forward shows up suddenly in season two or something. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. Doing the uh, whole Cap- season, they're doing the whole season two thing, dude. Odo's hair, Replimat, they're in. It's very Cisco's true. awake. It's awesome stuff. Um, Casual clothes on Kira and O'Brien. I thought it was a weird place to cut to commercial when Kira says that this mission is with their shielder on it. Then the runabout lifts off and there's like a big music swell and then it just goes to commercial. That's right. The journey will continue. Yeah. I... Did not remember that it was in this episode, hmm. but I com- I had complete and total clear memories of this scene where Quark gets his head branded. Yeah, right? So that must have gotten into me. Cause he's I mean, screaming. I was probably 13 or something when this came out. He's screaming like a little weirdo and everything. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that vividly. Uh, and that's where I stopped taking notes also, so... That's fine. That's fine. That's okay. We're, we're almost out of time. Uh, I gave uh, I gave best actor on this episode to Lee Nollis. Yeah, there you go. He's cleaning up. And I gave uh, worst actor to Cisco. Oh no, Cisco. Anything in particular you didn't like out of Cisco's? No, just everyone else did a better job than him this week. I mean, you could give it to Dax, but she had one line. Yeah, it just doesn't even matter. She didn't. She didn't like say the words bad or trip or anything. So. <laughs> right. By her by her low standards, she did okay. What's the math say on this mofo? Okay. Mathematically, hmm. I gave it 15 points. Okay. You gave it 18 points for huh. a total of 33. And Ben gave uh, it 14. Ben had it at 14, so essentially, you know, it's a teens episode. Yeah. Um, That's five points, four, four and a half points above their average, so Okay. But it is a big fall from the previous two episodes. Yeah. Which were 39 and 49. Yeah, they had been, again, they finished strong in uh, season one. And this is the beginning of an arc. We got two more episodes in this arc, so we'll see how it goes. But I mean, look, we gave Dramatis Persona and Move Along Home 15 points, so... <laughs> yeah, they really so sucked for a while there. 33 isn't too bad for, for Deep Space Nine. I did but, just um... see that in uh, in Ben's characterization notes, he said that he hopes he's not Cisco-level bad when it comes to being a father. <laughs> I thought Cisco was doing fine, but I guess not. I, I agreed. I thought his little scene about dealing with the sort of his girlfriend's parents' racism yeah. was fine. Uh, I liked that he was not going to let him go to the hollow suite with that girl. That's right. He's like, yeah, no, you can um, you can just hang out on the promenade, but don't go like, anywhere. Just stand on the I mean, promenade. 
the hollow suite is a dangerous Dude. place, but like when you're 14, any enclosed room is, I think, equally dangerous to a hollow suite. Like, <laughs> That's right. what does he think? This girl's going to be like, no, I don't, I don't want to, I'm not ready for the wild thing, but then he's going to call up a sexy ass program yep. and it's going to just flip on his head. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yep. That's what it takes to convince her is Quark's sex programs. Yeah. Alrighty. All right. <clears throat> Two more of these bitches. Uh, that's right. This week we watched Non Sequitur. Best part of the episode. Yeah, this week it really was. Harry Kim, who seems to have had some kind of shuttle distress. I hate this. The episode starts right away, and I hate it. Oh, it's almost a, it almost starts in a dream sequence, by the way. He's like... But basically what happens, ugh. because the it starts with him waking up as we hear Janeway's ghostly off-screen voice saying... Harry! Oh. Voyager to Shuttlecraft, come in, Harry! Oh, we're going to beam you out, we're Harry! We're going to beam you out, Harry! Yeah. Fuck me. Yeah. Wakes up in San Francisco next to a woman. Oh. It's his fi- it's his fiance and he's got a big presentation because even though he's been out of the academy 8 months he's Starfleet's designer of the year and he invented new tetrion warps and he's going to make a better runabout. Yep, that's what they're going to do with this new It's very it's a very dull idea. This new technology is going straight into the most important ship in the fleet, the runabout. But he doesn't remember any of that shit, so he fucks up his meeting. And then he goes and sees Tom Paris in Paris. In, Mar- in Marseille? In Marseille. It's not Paris, but don't worry, they do a pun on it. Yeah. Uh, then his alien cafe owner talks to him and tells him that he did a whoopsie on the time stream somehow with his shuttle. Oh, you mean that fake Mediterranean or whatever he's supposed to be? That's that's right, Cosimo. <laughs> that's it his is real, Cosimo, that's his isn't name, it? yeah. Uh, Cosimo tells him, oh, boy. oh, you crashed your shuttle into the time stream and shit got weird, so I'm here to look at, watch over you and make sure you're cool. And also, here's um, here's a computer chip that you can use to find the time streams, but I don't know how to get back. Yeah. And then he and, he and Tom Paris, who he has shaken up by basically calling him a big loser. Yep. First person uh, ever to say that, apparently. It tells Tom Paris that he's a loser, and uh, anyway, Tom Paris shows up, and they beat up some Starfleet security officers and steal a runabout and run away from a Nebula-class ship mm. and go into the time stream where the ship Im- explodes and Tom Paris is killed, but um, Who cares, cause... Har- Harry's back on Voyager. Yeah. Fuck me. Dude. This episode was diapers, man. What did I... Okay, before we get into it, I wrote this down. <laughs> When we were talking offline, <clears throat> you referred to this episode as a festering turd, and yes. I called it a toxic shart. <laughs> so we weren't uh, we weren't huge fans of this episode. I also described it as not quite move along home bad, but pretty close. Yeah, yeah. It's just, I mean, it's just so amazingly bad. Yeah. All right, let me jump in. All right. Uh, I had to take. Be careful what you wish for. Everyone on that ship, Voyager, has wished probably a lot of times that they could go back and change so that they weren't on the mission or whatever and didn't get stranded in the Delta Quadrant. Um, so, 
he went back. But then he spends the whole episode trying to investigate and set things right. So clearly that's what we're supposed to get out of it, right? That it's bad to go back in the time. So that take is a four, because be careful what you wish for, really? That's pretty lame. That's the best they can do, right? I have a complaint about this, which is... Is it going to go into the execution? No, no. I have a complaint about your take. Okay. Which is that you are doing more than half of the work for this take. What am I supposed to do? Because this thing that you've said about how they all wish they could go back and not have gone out on the Voyager mission or whatever the whole time. Yeah. uh, It's two problems. One, you're making that up. None of them have ever said that in 20 episodes. Okay, well, Janeway has expressed a lot of guilt at having everybody get stuck here. Yeah, So I think it is assumed it's not a good thing. Yeah, that's true. But um, they've made no effort to show us that. Okay, that's fair. And number two, (laughs) in this universe, it is clear that Harry Kim had applied for the Voyager mission and been rejected. Yes. So he, he has no agency in this. He didn't even make a different decision in this timeline. That's true. That's true. But he didn't get stranded there, which yeah, I, yes, am assuming is a thing that he has wished, that he yeah, didn't get stranded right. there. Yes. I don't know. He seems to like it there. He thinks it's better for Tom Paris to be there, stuck in the Delta Quadrant 75,000 years away, than it is to be slumming it in Marseille. Well, don't worry. Four is by far the highest score I'm going to get. All right. My take on this episode is... Yeah. We have a duty to reality, even when it's unpleasant, question mark? Yeah, we have. I think we have the same problem with what's happening. Yeah. Which is... You know what? Just go for it. That's a three. <laughs> okay. Go wild on execution for me. Okay. All right, so... Kim's alternate life in San Francisco is so much better it's than amazing. his Voyager life. He gets to bang a chick for the first time in his life. That's right. He's got he's got a like a medium hot lady with nothing like she she well, I'll tell looks you, like all her original limbs. I'll tell you what she's got. She's got or I'll tell you what he's got. He's got Bael from Birthright. Oh, son of a bitch. Just, oh, I did not catch that without her forehead. We just talked about that episode. She plays the Underage? Yeah. Half Klingon, half Romulan that Worf gets uh, his swerve on with. Worf sees her bathing. Yeah. In a lake. Well, they also do makeouts, and I I don't know if it's implied that they do more, but I think it is. Dog, it's okay. She's over the age of inclusion. That's true. That's fair fair enough. We'll get into it um, ten years from now. In a million years, we'll we'll talk about this. So His life is so good, this alternate life, that I was sure until the very end that we were seeing a future imperfect. Yeah, that it was all fake, and then he was really going to have to go back to his, oh man, we're still stuck in the Delta Quadrant. Some alien was trying to ply me with this great world or whatever. But no. The alien also tells him that he's, that this is the same reality. Yeah. That he's not in an alternate dimension or any of this shit, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like he even has to get back home. Yeah. He doesn't, for a second, consider staying. Yep. And let me ask you a question. Does he explain why? No, of he course not. He does not explain why. The only, th- the closest thing we get to an explanation on this shit. So, when he asks about Voyager at the very beginning, hmm. his girlfriend is like, Stop being such a full-time asshole. Yeah, you know those people are dead or whatever. You know, we just had we just had Danny's memorial service. Yeah. And he's like, well, what about Danny? Now he's stuck out there in the Delta Quadrant. Yeah. What about Tom Paris? 
he'd be better off in the Delta Quadrant. He has turned so, this into a weird world where it's better off that that ship full of people... By the way, a lot of them died and shit, but that it's better off better that he and Tom Paris be on that ship. Yes. Specifically. Then, then, then Danny and... They didn't say that Tom Paris was replaced by anyone. No. He got yanked at Deep Space Nine, so probably they just went one crew member down. They didn't need a replacement for him because he wasn't a regular member of the crew. He was just supposed to be helping, like, because he knew the Maquis crew or whatever. Right. So, like, presumably, there's actually one less person stranded in the Delta Quadrant. So all this is for Danny. So all of this is for Danny, I guess. And by the way... But he doesn't really in, say that either, but yeah. In the in the prime timeline, is, Dan, is Danny banging his fiance? That's what I wondered, too. I really thought there's a possibility. Uh... Anyway, I thought the execution was a four, but then I took another point off, and here's why. Okay. So it gets a deduction. She talks about Danny about 50 times in the first two scenes. Yeah. Then later, he's looking up computer records, and he asks, who's the operations officer on Voyager? Yeah. And the computer goes, Daniel Bird. And then he he goes, Danny. Danny. (laughs) It's like, yeah, dog. So fuck you. Come on, figure it out. She's been talking about it for like a long time. Fuck you for being so hack. You knew who was the operations officer. That's why you asked that question. Oh, man. Yeah, like, who are you trying to fool? It's just you and the computer, dude. Come on. That is not trusting your audience to remember the only other person they've talked about. (laughs) So, total, I gave it a three for execution. I I could not give it three. I gave it two. I said, what is he so worried about? Is it the disorientation of suddenly being thrown into these un- he doesn't have any memory of what's happened in the last several months so he's in an unfamiliar place is he broken up about his voyager peeps being all stuck out there without him and he thinks he can help him is he but by the way he could tell the federation yes. where they are i said hell if he's so broken up about his voyager peeps he could work with starfleet to help track him down based on what he knows about the caretaker and where they are in the delta quadrant and yeah. things like that i'm just saying it isn't like it isn't like he turned out to be a useless blue turd like Picard in Tapestry. Exactly. This is not Tapestry. Things are going really well for him. So He's at the exact same moment that he left off. He He's only changed the events of the last few months. It's not like... <sighs> There's no speech about how they have to do something to set the timeline right for whatever reason. There's no speech right. about how he can't let Danny suffer for him. There's no speech about how he has to save the crew or anything. He he's just, gonna go on a wild criminal rampage to get back there. It's criminal. He, in the last scene, he beams into space. Yeah. On the th- assumption that that will set things right, and it's like, dog, fuck Danny. Sorry, Danny. <laughs> I'm gonna like bang this chick, and I'm gonna be engineer of the year, and I'm gonna keep get bon- promoted. Keep boning your girlfriend and yeah. spend a week looking at them specs that you wrote. Yeah. You invented it the first time. I bet you understand it. Yeah. I. I just. I there at no point does he explain any of his motivations for anything he does in the episode, which is like the worst thing you can do execution wise. Drink coffee and talk to your cool new alien friend. I'm trying to think of a reason I might have given it as many as two. Like I'm thinking hard about what went right. It's just they make just no just no effort to explain his motivation for getting back. It's crazy. Crazy. And also, I'm it's super unsatisfying that even the alien doesn't know how he how it happened. <laughs> it's, it's alien but he's there to take care of him. <laughs> Uh, Ben, just to catch him up, even a harsh reality is preferable to a sweet lie. 
Sure. Oh, it's basically the exact same thing I wrote. Yeah, no, sure. I wish someone had said that in the episode. It would have been great. Oh, by the way, also sort of the opposite of the uh, the opposite intention of the uh, legends are as powerful as any truth. I know. Yes, exactly. This, this, is, this is a way more Star Trek take. Yep. The problem is that they didn't do it. No one actually says it or thinks it, right? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, he said he sort of liked the B-plot of Harry facing Paris being a loser again in this reality. I very much hated that. Um, he gave it a three and a three on the front half. Yeah. So, well, that's what I gave it on the front half. And you gave it a four and a two. So it's six is all around. That's really bad. Yeah, that's dump. I mean... It's gonna get worse, though. Arsenal Freedom, I had given a ten on the front half and you'd given a twelve. So, yep. that's... Distinction, but yeah, unfortunately. All right, I'm gonna do some world building. Ready Let's for this. talk about world building. If anything that happened in this universe is real, there were. <laughs> I had to, I had everything in parentheses <laughs> until the very end, and then I took out the parentheses. They're working because on... I was prepared to give it zero points for everything I had written in parentheses if it was future imperfect. Yeah, they're working on a new runabout with new Tetrion plasma warp engines or whatever the fuck it's supposed to be. Something about beings living in time streams. This guy wasn't very helpful explaining what he was, so I don't really know what to make of it. Uh, apparently anything can be channeled through the main deflector dish, even transporters. Yep. Uh, I gave it a one. Okay. Because I thought that was all garbage or nothing. It's not much. It's not much. I mean, I gave it as many as three points. What? What do you have? Here's what I have. Tetron plasma rupture subspace. Maybe that'll come into play again. Vulcan mochas. <laughs> nice. Yeah, okay. Time stream whatever. That's right. That's the right way to put it. Federation security can just beam into your apartment and everybody's cool with it. Yeah, and for some reason your best friend or your partner on this project uh, is like part of the police force. Like he's there throughout all the interviews and everything. Yeah. I don't understand yep. it. Oh, is that it? Yeah, well, what else was there? That was worth a three? Okay, well, all right then. I know three's not good. I gotta, I'll remind myself. Three's, three's not very good. bad. Three's a, three's bad, a bad score. score. It's a bad score. Especially for me for world building. Yeah, it's a bad score. Okay. Characterization. Go for it. I guess Harry Kim is the biggest nerd there is. Choosing his dumb friendship with Tom Paris over his fiance and his design awards. Yep. No one else is in this. One point. Yeah, yeah. I said, yeah. <laughs> Garrett Wang gives his best acting performance yet. A complete lack of emotional response to anything that's happening. This character's a black hole, dude. They made a whole episode about this guy. He has less emotion than Data. A hundred percent. It's crazy. Alternate Tom Paris is like a program Barkley would dream up. A one-dimensional <laughs> drunk who Harry Kim can dunk on at will. Yep. Characterization one. Yeah, it turns out that Tom Paris really learned some things about himself on this goddamn Voyager expedition, huh? Jesus Christ, this episode sucked a D. A fat, a big old fat D, dude. <laughs> uh, ben gave it a four on world building. Because he, he liked the street level view of future SF. Yeah. Uh, Captain in the briefing. By the way, uh, if that, well, well uh, quick hitters. That's fine. Okay. Uh, it's something about pips on the sleeve cuffs of the, uh, the captain in the... the briefing um characterization he said no way that him that doofus has a hot girlfriend oh, uh, <laughs> that's an admiral that's what he's he, that's what he is is wrong about okay yeah uh yeah no way kim gets uh, a hot girlfriend so ben was into that chick too he liked that prosecutor in the first episode uh, that we reviewed and he liked uh Bael as well <laughs> ben might be horny he was in i think he was he had some some thoughts 
during these episodes. Um, whose quick hitters is first now? Is it you or me? I don't remember. Uh, I guess it's me. Um, Libby. Yeah. Sure thinks Kim is an asshole. Yes, she does. If someone I knew was acting this confused, I'd take them to the ER. We have almost the exact same thing. (laughs) What did I say? I said, um... I'll just let you keep keep going. Yeah. Uh, If this is San Francisco, where are all the needles and human shit? That's right, yeah. Oh, oh, everyone in the city is on planet dipshit here, just making up excuses for why Kim doesn't know basic shit. Yep. I don't think they would wear those jumpsuits in a meeting full of admirals. Yeah, they are wearing the uh, the wrong combination uniform. They're wearing the the work uniform or whatever. Yeah, I think they should probably be wearing the black-shouldered TNG uniform for that meeting. The uh, Cochrane Medal of Excellence doesn't seem like something you could win in six months. He, it's sad. You can get for six months of work. It sounds like a very important award. Almost it as does, important doesn't it? As the Ever- named, after, named after the guy who invented Warp Drive? Yes, almost as important as the Everett C. Marston Award for Excellence in Sports Writing. <laughs> Which I won. I didn't know I won it. I won that award. But Who tells their cafe guy their apartment number? Uh, yes. That guy knows what building he lives in. Fine, he sees him come out of there. He knows he lives in 4G? That's right. He's probably had that guy over, dude. Those guys are best friends. Yeah, I guess so. He makes it bring him coffee, though. Vulcan lattes or whatever. Vulcan, Vulcan, whatever it was. Um, this vest that Tom Paris is wearing. Mm Mm-hmm. It is the worst and least functional vest I've ever seen. (laughs) Yeah, but he looks so cool playing pool in it it has no pockets right it has no closures of any kind right all it can do is sit on your shoulders and flap around but it was beautiful right i mean (laughs) oh it does have a tie in the back so you can adjust the sizing but again since it doesn't close i don't know what that does that's right it hangs just in a slightly different way uh they're very bad with civilian clothing the clothing that O'Brien and Kira wear is all crocheted. It's very weird. But this vest was so bad. <laughs> um, then I wrote, Jesus Christ, the sinister reveal takes a long time to get to. Yeah, and what is the sinister reveal? It's just that guy's an alien, I guess. I don't he know. He doesn't even seem like he's a bad guy. Like He's just like no. not very smart. <laughs> just like, what's going on here? Yeah. Uh, oh no! It's when you see that's when you see him in the bar in Paris in in uh, Marseille rather. Oh, right, right. When when Cosimo turns around after they leave, that was what I thought was the sinister uh, reveal. Yeah, I forgot that even happened. Sure, yes, because yeah, it didn't need to happen. Yeah. Uh, Harry's boss is a low rent Richard Castillo. Yes, yeah, that's true. Because they couldn't get him. Couldn't get him back. Be fun if that's what he was doing. Oh, he died. Yeah. He went back and died. Hey, but you know, if you ever see someone look across a crowded room and also work on a new experimental warp drive. Hey, you never know. Sure, citizens of San Francisco, let the guys who punched a security officer run away. (laughs) Yep. They just watched those two guys beat up a cop and now they're just like, "Uh, are you okay, man? You okay, buddy? Oh, they left. Those guys that punched you? Yeah, now they're gone. Yeah, they took off. Yeah, they ran pretty fast, actually. 
Then I got so mad I almost blacked out um, <laughs> when they were leaving Starbase, and it was a reuse of the inside <laughs> of the Janolan Dyson Sphere from Relics. Are you kidding me? They don't know what Space Dock looks like, dude. There's a million shots of ships going in and out of Space Dock. Yeah, but they, they for lot. sure, for sure, they have a fucking special effects element of the Space Dock doors closing. Yeah. That they could comp the runabout into. But don't you ever forget things? I mean, you're not perfect, right? They forgot what Space Dock looks like. Well, oh, I did not forget that that was the inside <laughs> of the Dyson Sphere. Uh, yeah. And then I wrote, I guess all of this is real, which is somehow the most insulting thing. Yeah, it was very disturbing. You got some quick hitters for me? I gave Best Actor to Harry Kim and Worst Actor to Tom Paris, and that's because there's only two people in it. That's right. You didn't and find And Tom a... Paris somehow was even worse. You didn't find a way to give it to Janeway for the one scene she appears in or whatever in the end no, of the No, there's just, there was just not enough. Uh, let's see, they had some weird Harry's Eye view in the teaser, which I did not appreciate. You could, like, see, he, like, looks out the window, you're getting it from his point of view, he can see San Francisco. Yep. Um... And I said that girl Libby played Bael in the episode where Worf tries to save his father. Um, I don't like episodes like this because it obviously will not turn out to be true that the whole Voyager mission was imagined. Right. And that, it, and that he's just going to be on in San Francisco for the next six years or whatever. And that's what we're going to I just watch. became the Harry Kim show starring nobody. Yeah, so I said, so unless they play this plot out in a really cool way, it's a zero from the start. It was a zero. Um... Why is Harry looking around at the sky and shit like, whoa, Earth? That's a very good question. Dog, you've been there before. Did he expect to see some Truman Show shit up there? Like, <laughs> And if you thought something weird was happening with time or with your brain... Get a fucking tricorder. Like, the buildings wouldn't be the troubling part. That's true. Oh, well, that's at, not the part that's going to be though. hard to do. Hold on, though. What is up with that building? No, that's just a building. That's just a building. But this one, though? I don't know. Mm. I don't remember that build. No, actually, I do kind of remember that building. Uh, that cafe owner obviously wants to fuck Harry's girlfriend. Yeah, for sure, dude. He's so into her. You yeah, with a beautiful girl like that, huh? No, no, he's like thrusting his hips. You're like, come on, relax, buddy. This this fucker was one chance cube and one hubcap on his head from being Watto, by the way. <laughs> That's right. You're making a lot. You're making a lot of prequel references today. Annie. <laughs> Annie, is that you? Yeah, he was an extremely fake Mediterranean. <coughs> Um, if Harry Kim is the most promising young engineer... That's because the prequels are bad and these episodes are bad. I get, Yes, that is the obvious parallel. Um, if Harry Kim is the most promising young engineer to come out of the Academy in a long time, why does... Why Jane, was he on Voyager in the first place? Why does Janeway put him at Ops instead of Engineering? That's a very good question. Make him the chief fucking engineer. His buddy plays it pretty cool with Harry flaking all over the place. Even when he tells Kim that he'd better be dying at the end, I feel like I would have gone way harder. Like I hate working, yeah, for sure. I hate working in teams. I don't know how many Harry Kims I've worked with over the years. And this guy fucking torpedoed your big project in front of a bunch of admirals. He, like, he destroyed you. Including maybe a four-star admiral in charge of Starfleet, but like, where's Shanty? Yeah, where's right. Fleet Admiral Shanty? What happened I, to her? I swear to God I wrote that down, but I don't see it. So, I'm just saying that he handled it way better than I would have, because I would have gone off on this dude. Messing up my presentation. Um... Don't think we ever heard about Libby before, and he's very surprised to find out they're engaged. To me, this sounded like a minuet situation was developing. Again, like a girl I thought we liked. were in a future imperfect. Yes, for sure. Like a girl he liked, and then it was just in his head that he was doing it. Tomalock is going to appear again. Oh my god, if it had been Tomalock. 
but so this great. time it was really this time it was really Tomalock trying yeah, some shit. It was. And if Tomalock had just appeared and said, "But she was so real to you," <laughs> I never get this right. Fuck me again. <laughs> it wasn't Tomalock for real the first time, yeah, but you know, know what I mean. Uh, it was Jean Luc. I know. Is um... <laughs> sorry. His name is Barash. He'll always be Sean Luke to me. Um, worst actor, Harry Kim. There's nothing going on, okay? That's what he says to the girl. He does say that at some point. There's nothing going on, okay? And that's how he said it. And I went, wait a minute, what? They're not going to do another take? Everyone in the room just went, yeah, okay, we got it. There's nothing going on, okay? Um, yuck to the Marseille-Paris wordplay and all of the other dialogue from this fucking episode. Yep. I thought you were going to. She's. He's like gonna go see Paris. Oh, also double fuck the producers of this for using the same set as the holodeck. Like, oh, I know. Tom Paris recreated it exactly he, from memory, dude. He smoked it. Um. Why again? Why does his coworker get to sit in on the entire investigation? Uh, I think it's because it's his boss. Maybe. Like, if you think of it as an HR issue instead of. Oh, and for HR issues, can they, like, arrest you and put, like, anklets no, on you? No, they probably can't put an ankle monitor on you for HR issues. Yeah, I but think you know he was I mean. arrested by, like, the authorities. But yeah. his boss is just in every single fucking interview. Um, why is he in so much trouble again? Was it for looking at the classified crew manifest? And then going to visit Tom Barris. They think he's Maquis. So after he explains his alternate reality theory, wouldn't they understand that part of it? And be like, oh, he he's like an, he might be crazy, but he's not trying to do something to subvert the government. He's just well, like... Also, are you fucking kidding me? They should have gone, uh, one of these. I know, yeah. Alright, that usually only happens to the Enterprise, but I guess this time. <laughs> That's right. I find it hard to believe that Roddenberry's future folk would be so callous about somebody who's either mentally disturbed or out of their reality. But Yep. Um... Like, and also, they don't even offer that he's just been working too hard on his engines. No, they just straight up go, he's some kind of like, fucking yes. traitor. I know he's a, I know he's a rusky. He's a retard or something. <laughs> Stupidest thing I've ever heard. Stupidest thing I've ever heard. Of course, of course, he's, a course rusky, he's a rusky. But he's a retard, he's a retard or something. Or something. Um, why in Star Trek, when people are suddenly transported through time or reality, they always end up seated perfectly in a chair, lying in a bed, <laughs> or at a party? Mm-hmm. Why don't they ever get whoopsied into space or in the middle of a gas giant or something? It's a real good question. And here's my answer to that. Remember that they live in a universe in which thought shapes reality. Oh, okay, never mind. Stop there. I already got it. You could just think your way into it, in or, in or out of anything. Presumably, when you do a time whoopsie, the stuff that's on your mind factors into the time whoopsie. That makes a lot of sense. <clears throat> makes a lot of sense. Dude is willing to beam into space on a hunch just to avoid marrying this chick. This this was actually sort of in character for him, because if you remember, he was hella willing to be put to death in the belief that it would allow him to transition back to Voyager. Oh, that's true. He did do that in that shit episode. Kind of speculatively did allow himself to be killed. In that shit episode that wasn't about religion. I remember that. That's right. That's right. The big fake out. The big religion fake out. Um, just like Worf and Troy from that TNG episode, this is the beginning of Paris and Kim's romance. <laughs> because in that alternate reality he was romantic with Tom Paris fuck me dog how much better is Parallels than this episode the Parallels is not great but it is a million times what this is look Worf, Worf has a Worf has a job fuck up too yeah. he can't remember how the panel works someone dies 
someone gets killed. Oh, it's Jordy. That's right. Jordy gets killed. But you know what? He doesn't lose his shit. Yeah, he he sticks it out, dude. He tries to figure out what's going on, and and his co-workers respect him. I'll say that. Uh, Episode MVP, Danny. Yeah. I'm guessing in real life he's living it up in San Francisco designing runabouts, fucking Libby, and most of all not bromancing with Tom Paris. He's the only winner of anybody. We are 100% expected to believe that those two are interchangeable, right? I like, believe so. But he doesn't know Tom Paris. Fact, Tom Paris is dead. I don't know. Yeah. This timeline doesn't exist anymore, right? Yep. After after he successfully does this, so it doesn't matter. But yes, in... in uh, you're right. In the current timeline, Paris is in the Delta Quadrant. This guy is just banging Libby and designing runabout engines. He is the only winner. It sounds pretty good. Of anybody in this episode or who had to view this episode, he is the yeah. only one who could be considered a winner. I think that's very fair. Matt, I gave this episode 10 points. That's very bad. You gave it 8. That's also very bad. For a total of 18, which is quite bad it's near the bottom it's not the bottom but it's near the bottom just a reminder that voyager's average is a little over 30 that's right so an 18 is a big drop you remember when voyagers seemed like they had their shit together yeah i remember thinking two or three episodes in a row it was gonna be close who was gonna get second place tos or voyager it is not i remember having that thought yeah that's that did not turn out to be the case now uh, i will let you in on it Before this week, TOS had put in uh, 679 total points. That's a lot of points. That's pretty good, right? Okay. Uh, TNG was three points behind him at 676. Uh, TNG's going to pass him after this week. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, Enterprise had 574. So uh, over 100 less points over 20 episodes. Right. Voyager had 575. One point more than Enterprise. Now, DS9 had 544, which is very bad. DS9 but was still, the real loser in Season 1. The real question is, is Forager or Enterprise going to be worse? Uh, Yeah, they're both not trending in the right direction at all. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, ben, but you know what? Way, Enterprise has a real easy target this week to avoid last place. And Ben gave this overall, he gave it a 13. So... Better yeah. than us, but not very good. But not good. Yeah. That's not a good score for Ben. Yeah. This was his anti-pick of the week, right? <laughs> yes. This was a... We all agreed. What the fuck? Not if I could good. play that drop backwards, I would. That's right. All right, we watched one more. Let's knock this thing out. Yeah, we did, son. This week we watched Detained. Yeah, so that's short memory by Midnight Oil. Uh, was he toasting there? Listen, uh, yes, I think he was. Okay. Was, uh, in fact, actually, if you if we had the stems and we isolated it, that's that middle part of red red wine that I don't understand. <laughs> it's right. actually just a sample. Good, that makes sense. Finally, you can you remember in there when he said the line broke, the monkey get choke? Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, I've, and I've, I've always wondered how they made it into both songs. Um. Uh, this is a song about injustice. This is an episode about injustice, and I figured that part is so illegible that he could have been talking about Manzanar in there. Yeah, yeah. So I'll do this one. Um, 
Alright, Mayweather and Archer wake up on this uh, planet, this strange planet. There, It turns out they're in prison, and it's because they, uh, I don't know, violated this alien's, uh, this alien airspace or whatever. Um, I'm sorry, do you want to, should we start right there? Who's the alien? Uh, well, it turns out that the boss alien, the warden or whatever of this prison, is the other guy from Quantum Leap. Yeah, it's Al from Quantum Leap. It's very bad. It's it's, it sucks and extremely way, that they did like that. The zoom on his face when he turns around the first time to be like, "Hey, hey, guys!" And they and they gave these aliens basically no prosthetics, so it basically just looks exactly like Al from Quantum Leap. They it gave sucks them the most. A funny bridge of the nose, like Bajorans or something. Yeah, uh, not great. Uh, anyway, so they're on this planet. It turns out. Uh, this prison is like a internment camp for all of the Sulibons that they can find. Whether or not they're bad Sulibons or not, like the bad ones that we've seen in the show already, um, because it's a fucking prison camp and it's about Japan. It's about the Japanese internment camps, and you can tell because after I said to myself, "Oh, it's about Japan," no, it's about they specifically mentioned it was like Japan, so or like the Japanese internment camps. So, um. Uh, Archer leads an oh, extremely rash prison break, and uh, they break all the prisoners off of this planet or whatever. That's how it ends. Yeah, no, for sure. I had already written in my synopsis. He discovers that he's in space, Manzanar. Yep. And then he starts talking about Manzanar, I was, and I was like, "Oh, all right." <laughs> I mean, I was very unhappy from the start, but then I so was... the re- so these writers are familiar with the same one relocation camp that I am. <laughs> That's right. They just had to say it. They don't try. Talk about not trusting the audience. They yeah, didn't trust it's zero trust. Anybody. It's a complete lack of trust. They literally said, hey, let's zoom in on this guy so everyone remembers that this is Quantum Leap. And then let's specifically mention Manzanar so people aren't left wondering what this episode's about. Like there was ever going to be any question. If this dude had been constantly like looking, looking at a pad and telling him the computer, who, by the way, is named Ziggy. Yeah. says that I can't let you go until you see the magistrate, it would have been just exactly as insulting. <laughs> just the exact same amount of insulting. Alright, what was your take or premise or whatever? They should have hugged when they saw each other. I know. Hey, look who it is! My old buddy! I mean, I, I, <laughs> Oh, shit! Yeah. Just left it in. Garbage. Here's the take. Yep. Internment camps didn't make sense as a defense against the Japanese, and they don't make sense as a defense against terrorism. Okay. So... If they hadn't worked the terrorism angle in, this would have been lower scoring, but I did end up giving it a six because it addressed kind of a real world concern. Yeah, I agree. I gave it a so. I gave it a seven. Okay. I said, uh well first I said, ah, oh, I get it. This is <laughs> yeah. a this is a Japanese internment camps of World War Two show. Then I looked it up and this episode aired in April of two thousand two. So yep, I exactly. think Star Trek was doing its duty, its sci fi duty, pointing out this concept and hoping to avoid any anti-Muslim backlashes from the 9-11 attacks or whatever. So that actually gives a lot of contextual weight to the take. I mean, otherwise it's kind of a no shit, right? In terms of, you know, 15 years after that episode aired, it it seems like we, you don't need to say that. Oh, wait, what? Yeah, 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 I know. Oh, wait, what? This kind of thing could happen this year. Yeah. So the actual take I put in was actions in the interest of state security can quickly turn into blind oppression, but it's, Yeah. uh, yeah, that's what it's about. Yeah. They even put a speech into Al's mouth at the end where he says, now that those guys are released, of course they're going to turn to the terrorists because we've taken everything from them. That's right. So they gave that speech uh, to the bad guy. They wanted to make sure you got it. Yeah. 
they did such a bad job of this episode, but we have no choice but to give <laughs> them points on the take. Look, it's an extremely sci-fi take. It it addresses a real-world problem at the moment it's occurring that you couldn't reasonably address because in 2002, if you said some shit, yeah, about terrorists, yep, this is why you, it exists. You were against the troops, yep, and the flag troops, yep, the flag troops especially. <laughs> also, don't forget the veterans. And the veterans, yeah. right. So, yes, yeah, yeah. this is something that needed to be addressed by analogy, etc. But boy, did they not trust us with it. Yeah. Uh, execution, I, uh, I said, as I said, this was uh, an educational movie of the week episode teaching us that we shouldn't blame all Muslims for 9-11. Uh, it's kind of what Star Trek's all about, so I'm totally fine with them taking the ball and running with it like that. Uh, bad guys start off seeming kind of rational and well-meaning, if overcautious. However, as you expect, they learn about all the ways that these guys have gone out of their way to oppress all Sulaban, regardless of any wrongdoing. By the end, the guy is crazed, shouting, They have no rights! At the top yep. of his lungs. <laughs> right. At times, it's a bit on the nose with the Sulaban saying sarcastic shit like, Oh, you didn't know? All Sulaban are guilty. And some right. of the guest actors are real garbage. Also, the crew of the Enterprise is shown doing the morally correct but politically insane thing to do. Organize a prison break on an alien world of some dudes that you literally just met. Archer is a fucking crusader. Who, by the way, who are at least capable of downing one of your shuttles. Yes. Archer is a crusader <laughs> and not a diplomat. And maybe they should think about making a command change. Um, there wasn't a ton of drama and the usual problem with Enterprise applied here. It was painfully dull. I gave it a five. Well, five is pretty generous after all of that. Uh, well, they chase themselves around in logical errors. So. Yeah, B plus for sure. <laughs> right. Here's the thing. Uh, I only gave it three. Okay, all right. <laughs> um, there's just no nuance here. Yes. Archer immediately decides that what's happening here is wrong, and he's going to blow it up. Yep. He did it. He pulled an Archer. It must be exactly the same scenario as Manzanar, right? No room for any distinctions at all. <laughs> you got it. You... Now Archer is the hero of 1943. He did it. Finally, we've found one. Yeah. Yeah. So, listen, I agree with the premise. Yes. But, yeah, not... Uh... But, but boy, just not even a... Just not a hint of any nuance. It's... Ooh. Ooh, it's bad. Yeah. Ooh, it was... It was diapers and they smelled bad and they were wet and someone was rubbing them together <laughs> that's good get some friction going and they made a squeaking noise too it was very unpleasant uh, all right world building hold on what did ben have on the front half all he right. gave it a four internment is wrong yeah okay i mean that's kind of a general statement but okay so i don't know he missed missed the timing of this or the fact that these guys are were extra national yeah that sort of thing but there were hints here, Ben, that this was also about terrorism. Yes. Yeah. And then Archer plans to commit an act of terrorism to break out these Japanese dudes. Yeah. With, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. So we're all on, we're sort of on the same page anyway. Um, yeah. So world building. All right. World building. Here's what I have. Okay. The Sulaban are nomads. Okay. They live in other cultures. Yeah. Their, their world became uninhabitable or something. Yes. Yeah. It's the Tandar system. <laughs> yes. They're, exists. They're racking up points right now. The Temporal Cold War seems to be pretty well known for something that won't be talked about in any other Star Trek show. Or, b by the way, spoiler alert, not very many episodes of this show. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Al from Quantum Leap straight up asks him, I know. did he say anything about the Temporal Cold War? Yep. Be like, hey, I would say, hey, 
what do you know about the temporal cold war? Because so far, all I know is the words temporal cold <laughs> yes, war. That's right. I know. And I guess it means that there's time and that people aren't committed to actually using it as a weapon. No, these guys are tuned in with all of the Sulaban stuff that Archer has yeah. seen, for sure. Like, hey, it sounds like you know 20 times as much about the Sulaban as we do. Hey, maybe we should make friends so that we can, like, I don't know, share information and figure out more about this temporal cold war. No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fuck up your whole thing. How about we can come up with another solution to these Sulaban settlers, by the way? like Here's my solution. Just, just send them to Vulcan. There aren't that many of them. Here's my solution. I'm I'm going to attack your prison guards, and I'm going to break everyone out of prison. We're going to shoot your facility up with phasers. We're going to shoot it from orbit, and you know what? Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck now, all y'all. Can you still share some information about the Temporal Cold War, though? That would be nice. Now, what's going on with this Temporal Cold War? Uh, I mean, I guess, like, I, I had to give it as many as four points mm. for... The continuity aspects. That's true. I put continuity in world building. But they didn't advance any of the storylines at all. I agree. I give it but a f- they did teach us, they did tell us something about the Sulaban, and so far we have gotten the idea that the Sulaban are going to be important. So. They're like the Ferengi of this show. Kind of, yeah. Uh, I also gave it a four. Um, these okay. alien dudes know about the genetically altered Sulaban and are fighting a war with them. This would make them a candidate for an alliance right off the bat. I wasn't sure anybody else knew about that part, like the genetically altered Sulabon, or that there was more than one altered Sulabon, really. I didn't even know that part. I thought it was a, just the one. But. It is not clear. Uh, and that they're referred to as the Cabal. Uh, the Sulabon homeworld became uninhabitable 300 years ago, and they had to settle wherever they could, even on alien worlds. They also already know about the Temporal Cold War. Even I still have no fucking clue what that's about. <laughs> Yep. They actually used the transporter in this episode, which they don't do very much for transporting people. Um, uh, to the point where they had to explain why they couldn't use it in at least one scenario, right? Yes. Uh, the aliens are some real out-of-cash concept aliens. They just look like humans with a tiny bridge of the nose thing, a la uh, the Bajora. Um, yep. That was a four of world building. Um, what did Ben give on world building? He gave for a four. world building, he gave as much as a four. Uh, he also said the aliens were very the alien makers were very lazy so we were all on the same page on that one uh characterization i gave it a three archer tries to play it cool with the warden of that prison at first can't say enough about how much archer has damaged and is likely to continue damaging earth's still developing reputation though by the time this episode's over yeah no for real like the word on the street must be oh man just stay away from those humans they are shitheads they're absolutely they're just shitheads they are really out to change and by the way the vulcans aren't much better that's right trip and t'pol immediately get into a fight over this shit mainly because trip is nearly as unhinged as archer (laughs) he exclaims in front of everybody that archer would be better off getting the electric chair than having a vulcan lawyer why can't he he be cool for even one half of one second Though it is interesting, though, that he is being weird and uncool from a different spot on the bridge than normal. That's right. It's true. They did change it up a little bit. Uh, I think they were like, "Have we ever had Trip and T'Pol on the bridge at the same time? Who sits in the captain's seat?" Right. It's it's really unclear how the chain of command works on this ship. So, well, turns out it was T'Pol. Yep. Um, T'Pol is getting pretty good at bullshitting for a Vulcan. Yeah, I had the same thought. Uh, also, after initial objections, she is all in on this plan to break Archer out of prison. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Well, I don't know. We saw those Vulcans send that SWAT team down in the uh, yes second Shran These episode. These are still in the vein of Spock, where it's shoot first, really. 
Now, she has another Spock-like attribute in this episode, which I'll talk about in a minute. Uh, everybody else is pretty quiet, but gung-ho as usual. Mayweather's a nice boy who wants to help people and wishes everyone would get along and work together. Uh, Reed appeared to be willing to wait for Archer to beat him up rather than give away the cool surprise of his makeup. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and then he was disappointed that Archer saw through it. He, he wanted him to punch he him. He really wanted to get beat up by Archer in that scene. What if he'd hit him in the head with a rock? <laughs> right just what if archer was like well this is the only chance i'm gonna get yeah just knock him out and then maybe kill him when he's, he's down or just something. gonna choke him to death <laughs> he was really willing to take the chance uh yeah it's a three i gave it a three yeah uh they weren't so good they never are really uh ben gave it a three. Oh. uh i gave it i gave it a four all right mm-hmm. i gotta get four points um here's what i had why does T'Pol suddenly shout half her lines in this episode? Every time she's on the radio, she shouts like like she's an old man trying to use a cell phone for the first time. Is that the other Spock-like attribute? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Even Kirk would have tried words before he called down phaser strikes and shot guards. It's crazy. But not Archer. <laughs> like they just went straight. No, we're taking, we're burning this whole shit down. Like, that's it. Again, Trip has zero diplomatic skill. He should not be allowed on the bridge. Yeah, neither should Archer. He just is always going to make it worse. Yep. And again, T'Pol manages to be deceptive when the situation requires it. Very good at lying, like most Vulcans, by the way. That yeah, come to like, like basically all Vulcans, she's extremely good at lying. And she laughs into her sleeve every time someone says Vulcans don't lie. That's right. It's just like... <laughs> Who came up with that with the same guy who came up with data doesn't have emotions came up with Vulcan Stone Lie. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. That's exactly what happened. Someone invented that fact. Yep. <sighs> Quick hitters? Uh, I don't know. Who's, should I do it? I'll do it. Yeah, go ahead, because I have very few. Yeah, so maybe you'll get them all and we could just stop. I just said, hey, a Mayweather appearance. Um, wow, they really gave us the check this guy out Zoom when Bakula's old buddy showed up. <laughs> yeah. This must have been just before his run on Battlestar Galactica, too. One of these Sulaban played a Vorta in DS9. That's the latest example of retreading these guest actors. Was it the main Sulaban? It was the one who was kind of a jerk buddy. Oh, okay, his jerk friend. His jerk friend. Um, oh, wow, now they're just straight talking about Japanese internment camps. Yep, yeah, I had same thing. I do like it when somebody is the voice of fucking reason. Dude goes, you're putting a lot of trust in people you've only known for three days. <laughs> and I thought, wow, finally somebody said that in a Star Trek episode. <laughs> I always think that. Like, hey, these guys just met, right? Now, this specific thing happens in every Star Trek. Um, this is not an Enterprise problem. Let's see. Episode MVP. Reed forgetting to play dress up and go on a commando raid. I almost said Mayweather because he actually got to be on a mission, but I don't think he enjoyed it very much. <laughs> it's true. He Reed, just got beat up. Reed had a lot more fun, I think. He got beat up. He did... Um... He did get to plant some explosive charges, but that was off screen. That's right. They didn't get, he's not important enough to show doing that. That's all I had for quicks. Yeah, I didn't have much. I wrote, uh, oh, he actually mentions Manzanar. And then I wrote, uh, Grat has a fancy geode on his desk. Al was uh, Colonel Grat, by the way. <laughs> okay. More of Flox's patented plastic surgery. Yeah, he's really quick, too. He does it so fast. It's not as bad as in Homeward, because that's the worst one ever. Yes, that was terrible. We'll, t- we'll talk about that in <laughs> yeah. 15 years when we get to season 7. It's a bad episode, but the plastic surgery conceit in that is wild. Yep. 
uh, we get to see some replacement personnel on the bridge for, I think, the first time. Yeah, yeah, some lower decks folks. Yeah, they don't get to do anything or say anything or be cool in any way. They don't get to be Leanne Sue or whatever. They're, they don't get a Leanne Sue, and they definitely don't get a lower deck style performance. Yeah. Anyway, I gave best actor to to Paul. People, yeah, because she was the only one who didn't shit the bed. And I gave worst actor to Archer because he <laughs> didn't not he never was not shitting the bed. One day we need we need to tally those up because he's he's collecting them. <laughs> he's getting them. It's so weird because he is a TV veteran. Yeah, he's the whole reason. Like he's the casting star of the show. Like there's oh, we got Bacula. probably there's probably four hundred episodes of Quantum Leap. He should and he has to play a different character in each one. Yeah, he should be able to do one character right. Yeah, I'll do it. Can't figure it out. It's so bad. That's uh, it, dog. Now, having said that, we did not enjoy this episode. No. But mathematically, it is a little odd because I gave it 17 points. Okay. Which makes it my second highest scoring episode of the week. Sure. Uh, it's, I guess it's third. There's a tie for first for me. You gave it 19 points, which makes it your second highest scoring episode of the week. It got 36 points. It did its sci-fi duty, and it cleaned up on the front end. Yep. That's how it goes. It's uh, There are episodes like that that are just complete stinkers, but score well on the rubric. And a few of the opposite, too, where they don't score well, but you had a good time watching them. So, so 36. Um, wow. Decent, well above Enterprise's average. Don't make more episodes like this, though. Yeah, don't do that again. <laughs> but, but I mean, I mean, look, look, they got thirteen of those points just for the take. Yep. So, that helps. Yeah. Um, I mean, DS Nine only got eighteen total points. DS Nine really, they fucked up. So oh, the oh, winner you mean, this you week. You mean Voyager? You mean Voyager? I meant Voyager. Yeah, yeah. Voyager fucked Sorry. up real bad this week. Yeah, they really, they really were very bad. Um, the winner this week with forty-one points is the Arsenal of Freedom, dude. Two weeks in a that row, is, I'm a little surprised. That is TNG's eighth win. Yeah. That brings them back tied with uh, with the original series for wins. Wow. And they're going to be ahead in total points, which I guess would be the tiebreaker. Yeah. If it mattered. Um, it doesn't matter for 59 more episodes, but, it, you know, that's where we stand today. Yeah. Worst episode this week, Voyager with Non Sequitur. Uh, so this week it went TNG, Enterprise, Deep Space Nine, TOS, and Voyager. Great. Great job, everybody. And I have to say that of these episodes, I probably enjoyed TOS the most, even though it placed fourth. It was a very bad episode that, yes, it was more entertaining than the score that it got. Yep. But I think I still enjoyed Arsenal of Freedom more. Um, on the whole, the week it came in with an average of 32 points an episode, which is um, a five-point drop from the week before. Yeah. I mean, when so, you have an 18-pointer in there, it's, you know. Yeah. Gonna... It really hurt it. Yeah. Next week. Yeah. Which is two weeks I from saw now. some troubling Netflix screenshots. There's some stuff in here that's a little scary. Okay. We have Return of the Archons. Yeah, I don't remember what that is from the title. Um, but from the screenshot, it does look like it. this might be the Chicago Mobster oh, episode. Oh, yeah, 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 I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Slash um, Casino Royale. Great. Basically. Wanted the Casino Royale or The Royale? I'm sorry, The Royale. Great. That's Slash The Royale. I definitely wanted The Royale to come back. <laughs> uh, for TNG, we're watching Symbiosis. 
Uh, I think there's a this is a great. There's is this the takes. one where Wesley wants to know why anyone would use drugs? Yeah, 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 yeah. So there's going to be some. And Tashi Yar's going to break it down for him. It's going to be high concept. We know that after school special style. Yeah. Uh, DS Nine: The Circle continues the episode we uh, watched uh, this week, nice. and I guess it's going to be a little more focused on those Bajoran extremists. Yeah, so that's where we're going. I mean, not unreasonable to expect we could get another 30-point episode out of this. When they concentrate like that, right? on Bajor, they do a little better when it's not um, when it's not the Dalrock or the Tetrarch or whatever. Right, when there's a when they concentrate on a Bajor that could possibly exist <laughs> right. and, and wouldn't matter to the Federation at all, then they usually score a little higher. Yeah. Uh, for Voyager, it's uh, Twisted. Okay. I don't know twisted. What, I don't know what, know what that, that is. Yeah. As uh, as we said, we're well past the part of Voyager where I stopped watching. And for Enterprise, Vox Sola. All right. Which, um... Yeah. Uh... My Latin tells me means, uh, voice of the sun? Sure. Or the only voice? Sure. Or... Solo might be a person, or Vox Solo might be the name of a person. You can't ever put it past Star Trek. Um. Uh. uh oh, I think uh, there's a character named Solok. <laughs> it's true. He's a, he's a he's a Vulcan, right? Yes. Well, that sounds like a Vulcan construction. What's the name of that Black Romulan? The Black Romulan. Oh yeah. Um. I don't know why, but when you said Solok, I thought of him. Oh, what is, uh, it's Cyril or something? Cyril, uh, maybe Cyril. Uh, uh, I think uh. that's right. But you're right, there is a black Romulan. There's nothing wrong with that, I'm it's glad, just there's only the one. I'm glad that they do put different skin type people on these alien worlds, but yeah, I think there's just the one black Romulan. It's the only one. But I mean, I guess technically Tuvok is the only black Vulcan since... He's also Tuvok on the Enterprise B. Yeah, they go back and retcon it so that it's it's Tuvok. Yeah. All right. Well, we did our job. It went long. Sorry. No, I don't apologize. Good. No, this is about as long as you should expect. I'm three glad. hours and 16 minutes or so. So thanks, Ben, for playing. Everybody send your mails. And uh, next week we'll do a non-Star Trek. Uh, you can tweet us at BrotherDate. You can find it on the iTunes. You can go to BrotherDate.com. And we will talk to you all very soon. Bye-bye. There's one that's, there's one that's captioned the Eiffel Tower, and it doesn't make any sense because it hadn't been built yet. <laughs> Him and some other American in France. You know. Eiffel Towering some chick? Please subscribe.